Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I got some good news and I got some bad news. Okay. If you wanted to watch a football game at TIAA Bank Field this Saturday, got some bad news. That's not going to happen anymore as the Florida State-Boise State game in Jacksonville has been canceled. But there is a silver lining. If you got 15 bucks in your pocket, feel free to go online, buy yourself some tickets, and make your way over to Tallahassee as the Seminoles will be taking on the Broncos now in Tallahassee at a noon kickoff game. Ten if you do it online beforehand. Ten if you do it online beforehand. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you know, juice is a little more squeezable there. you got to save some bucks now. Absolutely. But, yeah, obviously I think the biggest story of the day is the hurricane that's coming in, Hurricane Dorian. Dorian, yep. Uh, upgraded to a Category 4 now, apparently. Projected to projected. reach Category 4 by the time it gets here. Okay. That being here being the Sunshine State. As uh, as we we move to its schedule, and the world of sports, of course, becomes secondhand when it comes to the safety of the people. Stuart Weber here with Austin Lane, a little ESPN 690 on a Thursday. It's a Jaguars game day, by the way. Let's, let's not mm-hmm. forget that fact, Austin. Uh, it is preseason game number four. But... Uh, some intriguing battles, and we'll certainly get into that. But as you said, the the big story of the day, uh, Florida State, Boise State. Everyone was excited about that Saturday night kickoff, national TV here in Jacksonville. Chance to show off the city uh, to fan bases from Tallahassee and from Boise. And unfortunately, uh, it just doesn't make sense to have it here with the impending storms of Dorian. And it's not as much the idea that Dorian is going to come hit us on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. That's, that's not going to happen. It's the logistics and planning and traffic and emergency services, everything that's needed for a college football game, and those resources need to be diverted to other things. I mean, you're talking about taking uh, police, firefighters, medical folks, and having them take an entire day of Saturday when they could be getting ready for uh, everything to come over the next few days. So you certainly understand in the name of safety that they're making this decision. It's it's not an easy decision. Uh, there are certainly a lot of people who will criticize it and be unhappy about it. But look, this is just how it's going to be. Uh, this is what happens when... when a storm and and something that can cause serious damage and like you said if this thing's coming in at a category four it will cause serious damage you always have to side with the air of caution you yeah. know i mean that's just the way it is so i'm not mad from that respect as far as the city's concerned though i mean how big of a blow is this to the city of jacksonville and basically losing this game now to tallahassee oh yeah it hurts uh, it hurts from a fiscal standpoint it hurts from a name recognition standpoint uh, you know, you you take a hit there because you know you're gonna have to refund every one of those tickets. They've already said that, by the way. So anyone who bought a ticket can now get that ticket from Jacksonville refunded as long as it was bought through this through the actual game. I'm not sure about the second and third hand party deal. That's always a big question mark uh, whether or not those folks will abide to that. But you can get new tickets to Tallahassee for ten dollars in advance, fifteen dollars day game day, which is going to be a noon game now on Saturday and. By the way, it will now be on ESPN News. For those folks wondering, where am I going to be able to see this game? It was originally going to be on Big ESPN. Now it's going to be on ESPN News. So I'm sorry to replace of Sports Center. You're going to have to take a back seat. 
because there's going to be football on ESPN News instead, and there won't be any assigned seating. So if you do want to go to that game, get there early, get inside, and go sit on the 50-yard line. First come, first serve. I like that. That's it. It should be absolute chaos in that parking lot for people getting ready. Maybe a little um, bit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how the Boise State fans respond to that. Uh Listen, and this is a game that's going from prime time now to a, a noon kickoff, and I think I think that's great. You know, I understand people are upset now because there's some speculation that Tallahassee may not be getting hit at all around that time. But you got to remember here. I mean, I understand it's college football, and, and people want to see it on the prime time. But we have to remember there's a pretty serious hurricane, well, supposedly a hurricane, tropical storm right now coming in, and. There's a lot of players not only on Florida State, but I think also in Boise State that have families in Florida. And I think this noon kickoff game now kind of allows them to play the game, get it done real quick, and then those you know those student athletes can adjust and kind of get all you know their families in order and everything and handle the hurricane however they need to. So I'm a big fan of it going to noon. I understand. I mean, from the logistics side of it, going from an ESPN game now to an ESPN news game uh, doesn't help you know either brand, but. It's about the safety, number one. It's about the families, and it's about the student-athletes. And I thought they did a pretty cool thing there by having the game at noon. It's interesting parallels, too, to a couple years ago when the Florida Gators game against LSU had to be canceled. And they took a lot of flack over that because of the fact that everyone thought, okay, well, the storm's not actually going to hit. Why are we making this move? Why is this all happening right now? Why, 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 why? And it's, it's because of all the things I said a second ago. It's about not necessarily the game but everything that goes into the game and the logistics and the planning and i mean you think about it this way if they have the game in jacksonville on a saturday night at seven o'clock when the game's over everyone's trying to leave what if that's a time when people are trying to evacuate from south florida Mm -hmm. so it's not as much about jacksonville as it is the entire state as a whole as it is everybody who's getting ready for this you know potentially life-threatening storm uh that's coming our way so uh, as we said, uh, a Category 1 storm right now out in the Atlantic and working its way towards uh, Florida. Uh, where in Florida? That is to be determined. And uh, certainly science is having a go at that and trying to figure it out. It's not easy. And the track is constantly changing because of a lot of factors that go into it. And certainly our meteorologists on Action News Jacks are keeping you up to date by tracking Dorian on CBS 47 and Fox 30. So keep it locked to the TV side. Keep it locked here on the radio course, WOKV. Uh, on the FM side, 104.5 is definitely providing all those updates, uh, not only locally with city leaders, but also statewide. And, of course, we get to talk about the repercussions when it comes to sports. And uh, it comes in the college game for Florida State. It comes in the high school game. You look at uh, some of the matchups getting wiped out already. Uh, Reigns was supposed to travel down to uh, the Glades and take on Pahokee, the Blue Devils. One of the annual members of the Muck Bowl, if you're familiar with the Muck Bowl, okay. Austin. I, I am not, but it sounds intriguing. Pahokee and Glade Central. It's a it's a local rivalry battle down there. <laughs> the Muck Bowl. Muck Bowl, they call What's, it. Is there like a trophy? What's the trophy looking like? A ball of muck. I'm is not, it really? I no, I mean, know. that's, that's I, what I'm I imagining. honestly don't know what the if they have a trophy for it. But I okay. do, well, there's a should. lot of there's a lot of bragging rights. Okay. I will say that. And a lot of really good players have come out of those two schools. But anyhow, Reigns was supposed to go play at Pahokee. Uh, it's canceled for now with the possibility to reschedule, but if you ask me, I don't know if that's going to happen just because of the fact that they don't share the same bye week, and they might try and find a way to do like a Monday game where you have a Thursday. It's complicated, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other other teams are shifting their schedules around. I know Palatka moved their game up a night. They're playing tonight at North Marion, 
and several other local high schools are kind of shifting on the fly. I know Providence's game got moved up to 5 o'clock tomorrow at Melbourne Central Catholic. So th- there's a lot of shifting left and right, forward and backwards that kind of goes along with planning for a storm and getting ready for it. But you know what? This, for this, sure. This is part of it. This is part of living in Florida. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up in South Florida, so I'm very familiar with what this is like. And uh, and it can it can mess with your schedule, but you know what we do here in Florida? We roll with the punches. We make sure everybody's prepared, and then we uh, we soldier on through it. Speaking of being prepared here, yes. So originally, I think the line was around four for Florida State. It's at six and a half now uh, against Boise State. One would assume if they go, I mean they're playing the game at tally, so maybe they just wipe the line off completely, depending on. The whole gambling aspect of it, yeah, or else? They, they could. Or if you if you adhere to like the uh, the NFL way of doing things, home game gets you three points, gets right? Three points, yeah. So there you go. They added three points onto it, and that's kind of where they sit right yeah. now. And, and this whole situation, it has to favor Florida State, obviously. I mean, I think talking about this game coming into it, I think the Boise State fans are going to be outnumbered by a long shot regardless if the game was in Jacksonville or any other spot in Florida. But now the fact that it's at Florida State, that kind of adds a little more element to it. I mean, I'm not sure how Boise State travels, but let's be honest. I think the Florida State fan base was going to be out to at least some kind of full effect, um, you know, Saturday night. So it gets switched to tally now. And, you know, it's almost like, and I don't know if this actually helps Boise State or if it hurts Boise State. Like, the obvious answer is it hurts Boise State, right? Because this is more adversity on your team. Now, you, you had to play in the state of Florida against Florida State and Jacksonville. Well, now you got to change up all your logistics. You have to go to a, a new city. You have to get the new hotel rooms. And that's not the, that's not, that's not the players. Like, the players aren't worrying about that. Yeah. But I'm just saying you have to go to a, a new city now. Um, you have to call the Audible on this, call the Audible on that. So it's a lot it's a lot of logistical things that a player doesn't want to deal with, especially game week, especially the first game of the season. But also, I guess you can kind of take off it from, well, you're already kind of counted as underdogs. I mean, the the line showed that. I think America thinks that. Um, I think anybody outside of Boise thinks that. So it's almost like you're piling on, piling on. I wonder if it almost gets to the point now for the Boise State Broncos where they feel like, listen, all the all the chips are against us. They have nothing to lose. Yeah, you lead perfectly into a quote that I have pulled up here from the Boise State head coach, Brian Harson. Hit me with it. Here you go. Quote, to me, it doesn't matter where we play. We'll play at a parking lot. We'll do whatever. We just want to go play. These guys have been working extremely hard. The excitement and the game, it doesn't matter where it's at. There's no excuses whatsoever. This changes nothing as far as what we're trying to to accomplish that is Boise State's head coach Brian Harson. You know he's he's no doubt putting that underdog mentality into his team, mm-hmm. and and you talk about how it it'll affect Boise more. But I'll give you a flip side to that. How many of the Boise players, with the exception of Riley Smith, Bartram Trail stand up, have Florida ties to where they're going to be worried about their family and getting ready for a storm? Florida State has tons of kids from Central Florida, South Florida folks whose minds might be on other things. And that was a big thing that went into the Florida LSU deal. Mm -hmm. You have people who are trying to get their family ready for this storm and trying to make sure everything is okay on the home front. And anytime your mind is not in the right place, as I'm sure you know from your days playing, uh, it's going to affect the way you play. And I'm sure a lot of Florida State guys have these extra thoughts. Is my house, are my parents, (laughs) are my siblings, is everything going to be okay? Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, and we'll kind of break down this game a little bit after the next segment here, and we'll kind of get into it. 
but that's a fantastic point. I mean, I never obviously playing in Murray State, Kentucky, never had to deal with um any kind of hurricane issues or you know bad weather. But yeah, the, that that has to weigh on your mind um, if if you're an athlete of thinking like, all right, well I have to go get ready play the first game of the season. Uh, you know we had a horrible season this prior year, and now we have to go out there and play against Boise State, who a lot of people are kind of counting out. Went ten and two last year, by the way. Uh, just lost a heartbreaker in the Mountain West Championship, so th- they're no slouches, you know. And we'll we'll break that down a little bit later. But uh, yeah, it's. It's almost a lot of it's more pressure, I think, maybe on the Florida State team than it is the Boise State team. Because at this point, if you're Boise State, listen, we we got to go over here, we got to go over there, whatever, wherever it is. But when we get on the field, we know what time it is. And yeah, I think the I think the heat could be a factor. I'm not sure what the what the temps gonna be like on kickoff, because I've never been to Boise. But I've been around that area, and it does not get as humid as it does here. I mean, not even close. And I think if you're going to run that, you know, that that spread offense like Florida State's going to run, uh, that high tempo, that could be an X factor when you're playing Boise State. But at the same time, I mean, Boise State's coming in with nothing to lose. So we'll get into that after the break here a little bit. Also, preseason game number four for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Excited. You don't want be, you watching it or not? I'm doing sideline for the TV broadcast. Oh, so you're definitely so be I'm watching excited. it. <laughs> what stories are we watching? Um, what players are we watching? I'm not sure if we want to pick, you know, like three offensive guys, three defensive guys. Just, give a couple. Yeah, we might give a couple. Um, who's going to make the team? You know, who's kind of on the outside looking in right now? We'll break all that down as well. And then maybe get a little ahead of ourselves here with Kansas City in week one. Talking about how Jalen Ramsey's going to be on Tyreek Hill nonstop. I'm not buying it. Okay. And that's a little tease for later in the show today. Yeah. So when we come back, we'll break down the Florida State-Boise State game, Jags preseason game number four, and much, much more on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to a Thursday here on ESPN 690. Not only a Thursday, but a Jaguars game day, preseason game day. Still counts as a Jaguars game day. Remember, you only get nine of these in town every year. This one counts for the bottom of the roster, guys. And we'll certainly get into that here in a little bit. Stuart Weber alongside Austin Lane talking all things sports in Jacksonville. And not only in Jacksonville, but also, I guess, in Tallahassee. As the move was made, the Florida State-Boise State matchup set to kick off the season at TIAA Bank Field on Saturday night will now be played at Dope Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. Instead, the decision made this morning... Uh, Leaders from the city, from the universities, from the state, all getting together and making that decision in the name of safety. Of course, Hurricane Dorian, it's on the way. Where it's going to hit, we shall find out. Uh, Of course, that will be determined as the track shifts and moves over the next few days. But in the name of safety, in the name of being ready, emergency preparedness is key. Uh, The game being moved out to Tallahassee for a noon kickoff on Saturday and uh, the school just tweeting something out, 12,000 tickets already sold. So there will be at least 12,000 people at that game on Saturday. Of course, uh, you can go online and go get those tickets for $10, or you can pay $15 day of at the box office. All seating is going to be general admission in Tallahassee. So uh, gates open at 10 a.m., kickoffs at 12. So during that time, you go find whatever seat you want to sit in. So if you've ever thought, man, Really wish I could sit over here. Get there early enough, and you could sit anywhere you want. Just a little 
information there for you. I saw park, yeah. parking was free, too. So uh, Florida State really doing everything it can to accommodate uh, people who maybe weren't expecting to go to a game this week and, and want to come out and support the Garnet and Gold as they take on the orange and blue, a different orange and blue. Maybe I'll take the family. Are they, are they serving beer in the concession stands? I think it's in, like, the booster areas, the fancy areas. Uh, is how where they how serve much does the it cost alcohol. to be a booster? I don't know if you could just do that tomorrow. <laughs> hey, like, I, mean, I, I can donate 20 bucks to, you know, the yeah. boosters and be like, I'm a booster now. I so. mean, I'm sure there will be some tailgates right outside yeah. where you can get some uh, morning beverages. Sure. Uh you know, mimosas or yeah. Bloody Marys or whatever else you want to drink before noon. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then be rock and rolling. Although you'd led that off with, I, I might take the family, where, will there be beer? Yeah. It's not contradictory at all. What's wrong with that, man? You can you can drink and hang out with the family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. All right. It's all good. I'm you sure know? my wife would partake, fact, too. sometimes you, might need, gonna, to, hey, you I, might need to, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, yes. <laughs> uh, so, of course, uh, it... You know, it's disappointing, but it's understandable. And I know a lot of people are upset. Uh, a lot of people are Twitter mad, uh, which will always happen in these situations. You'll always have uh, folks just getting upset because they can. And everyone's got the right to be upset about it. Uh, but sometimes you have to take a step back and look and think about the greater good and think about everything that goes into this, not only for the, the schools and the, the city, but everybody. I mean, everyone's trying to do the right thing and be prepared just in case. And and if it misses us, you know what? Good. <laughs> yeah. We want that to happen. We don't want it, the storm to affect the city of Jacksonville or anywhere in the state of Florida. But uh, it probably will. And so uh, changes had to be made. By the way, uh, another bit of information uh, sent down by one of the uh, Boise State uh, beat reporters saying that the team is still doing its original plan. They're going to fly into Jacksonville today. Uh, they're going to stay in Jacksonville overnight tonight, practice here. Uh, tomorrow, I don't know where. I kind of want to know now, just so I can go go see. Although we check would, them out, we wouldn't tell everybody anyways, because yeah. then people go try and see the Broncos practicing. Uh, but so they're I, gonna. I mean, p- is it really that in high demand though? Oh yeah, to R- see the Broncos practice. <laughs> Riley Smith's family will be all over it. Okay. If, if you don't know, Riley Smith, one of I don't. the quarterbacks for Boise State, okay. from Bartram Trail High School. So, oh, okay. uh, we do have a local connection on the Boise State sideline. Gotcha. Um, last I checked, I don't believe he was going to be the starting quarterback. But it's college football. You never know. You no, never know I think the, so the Broncos are going with the, the true freshman. Um, and I got to find his name here. Find his name for me. Hank Bachmeyer. Oh, that's a name. Yeah. Hank Bachmeyer. Hammer and Hank, I guess, as the Twitter trend was calling him. Okay. Uh, true freshman quarterback. Yeah. Um, Boise State's returning all five starters along with a freshman quarterback. True freshman. And he is the first true freshman quarterback to start out the Boise State season um, in the school's history. Now, other true freshmen have come along sure. and played throughout the season, but he's the first one to, ha- uh, to have that starting nod opening day. So, right. curious to see how he can respond to all this adversity. Yeah. And if he gets benched, maybe then Riley Smith comes in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some people cheering we, for that. We, in, always, in we always pull for the locals. Okay. Uh, that's kind of how that works. Same, sure. Same way with uh, FAU. We're pulling for Nick Trani to win that starting quarterback job. Of course, they're going to be in Columbus, and I'm sure you'll hear a little bit more about that later on in the show with uh, Brent Martineau, who is in Ohio, uh, and everybody knows why, of course. I like that we still have the jersey here, right? Oh, for absolutely. Steph's jersey here yep. from the uh, the olden days. Uh, Brent's wife going into her high school athletic hall of fame. Pretty exciting stuff. So he'll be up in Ohio, which means he's going to stop by uh, the Horseshoe. Yeah. Go check out a little Ohio State action as they take on 
FAU. And he will also be calling in the show in the 5 o'clock hour That's as well. Yep. So we'll talk to him. Um, maybe he's in the process of writing a speech right now for his wife. I'm not sure how that process took part here, but uh, we'll get all the juicy info. But let's talk a little bit more about Florida State. Sure. Uh, obviously, that's the big news, the game being moved. Um, but as far as on the field goes, not a whole lot changes, uh, despite the, the change in venue. This is a big game for Willie Taggart and the Florida State Seminoles because they want to prove that last year was not not the standard, not what's going to happen moving forward. And if you lose to Boise State, you're going to get a lot of backlash. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of pressure going on right now in the Florida State um, side just because you have to come off to a fast start. This is Boise State, and I think, you know, the outside looking in, if you're just a casual, uh, you know, college football fan, you see Boise State, you're like, meh, you know, this isn't like the Boise State of, of old. This isn't like the Boise State, the giant killers that slayed, you know, uh, Oklahoma in the bowl game. Um, this is a different Boise State. And I would agree with you for the most part. But it's like I mentioned. I mean, I think the the, the biggest story going into this right now is going to be the new offense that Kendall Bryles is bringing to the table. The last time Kendall Bryles played the Broncos, well, you know, went against the Broncos was the Cactus Bowl when he actually played, when he actually coached for Baylor. And in that game, he put up just a, a measly 515 yards. Yeah, measly. And the 31, you know, 31 points. So he's kind of had Boise State's number. Now, can Boise State kind of adjust on defense and stop that high-powered offensive attack? And we haven't even seen this offensive attack yet for Florida State, but one would assume with the athletes that they have in that team now, with Blackman being named the quarterback, which, in my opinion, was no surprise in the first place. It's the right decision. It, it was definitely the right decision. Um, I was surprised to hear that the, the quarterback uh, competition was closer than a lot of people expected. Alex now, Hornibrook must be better than a lot well, of people expected. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if you're just saying that for the heck of it or if that's actually rings true to some people. But let's be honest here. If they were neck and neck, they would go Blackman a hundred times out of a hundred times because he's already got that locker room. No doubt, he's he's already like the leader of that team, and you're not going to have a transfer from Wisconsin come in, a lefty, mind you, and kind of like the new face on campus, and just take over that team. So Blackman's going to be the guy. He's the leader of that offense. Still a little nervous with him because he's kind of on, on the smaller side. You know, this is a guy who's like I think he's like six five, one ninety five. That was like my size, I think, in my sophomore year of high school. And I get it. You know, we shouldn't put too much into a quarterback's size or maybe a quarterback's weight. But at the same time, you can't knock the fact where if you take a couple hits, because Blackman's not really a mobile guy. He's, he's not going to beat you with his legs. But if he takes a couple hits, uh, you know, who's to say that maybe the injuries will be prevalent? And I think we were talking about the Boise State team where they have the strength uh, in this matchup is in the trenches. Um, Boise State's, you know, n- not only returning five offensive linemen that are starters from last year, but they also have a bona fide, bona fide first round pick uh, in Curtis Weaver, and their defensive line is solid overall. So, and you have a Florida State offensive line who, by all means, is kind of young, um, a little inexperienced. That's the matchup I'm going to be watching is that Boise State defensive line taking on that Florida State offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. And a lot of our talk in the offseason had to do with FSU's offensive line. I mean, let's be honest, last year it was a turnstile. I mean, they were just letting guys go through left and right. And it was one of those things when you watched 
you weren't watching the skill guys. You were watching the offensive line to see what happened next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in order for Florida State to be successful at all this season, that area obviously has to improve. And you'd like to think they're going to. Um, curious to see how Andrew Baselli plays into that group. Uh, great moment for him the other day. I know you guys probably talked about it on the show, uh, earning that, re-earning that scholarship. I think that's the way to, best way to put it, is re-earning it. You know, you get it out of college, uh, circumstances happen, you decide, you know what, I think I'm done with football. You come back and you re-earn it and show that you deserve to be there. Uh, pretty cool for him. So yeah, that, that offensive line is going to have to perform. Uh, you're always going to have, you know, great talented players, like you said, at Florida State. Their recruiting classes have not suffered. They've continued to do well year in and year out. Uh, now we'll see if Willie Taggart's offense is able to keep it going and, and maybe find a way to make it work in this, this opener against Boise State. And they have to. They absolutely have to, especially now with it being at home. Uh, you no longer can use neutral side as a as an excuse. Not that they were going to ever in the first place, but uh, this is this is now a game that you're going to have at home. Another thing I'm be watching too, and you mentioned last year I was all on board the Florida State bandwagon. I thought they were going to be sensational. I thought Taggart was going to have those guys playing very well and be pretty competitive in the ACC. They don't even go to a bowl. Um, I was way off to say the least. I think a lot of people were way off in their predictions. What I'm be watching for as well, and listen, I think this is Florida State's game still. I, I understand Boise State's intriguing. Like I said, I think they actually have the advantage in the trenches. And if you have the advantage in the trenches, you can win a lot of ball games. So I'm not counting Boise State out by any means. But I think in when we watched the University of Miami versus you know the Florida Gator game, we saw this where both teams were really sloppy. And I think that if you wanted to wrap up Florida State's troubles last year, yes, it was the offensive line a lot, but it was also dumb penalties and, you know, whether it was the false stars, the pass interferences, I mean, you can go on and on watching those Florida State games. They almost shot themselves in the foot sometimes. And I think this first game is going to be very telling to see if Taggart has kind of changed up his philosophy a little bit, changed up his coaching, and is going to have these guys ready because they have the weapons. They have the speed, and I think they have the offensive coordinator to, to take over that team. Offensive line is in question. They have a solid defense. I think their defensive line um, is going to be great, and it's going to be a great matchup between, uh, like, like I said before, a Boise State team who's returning all their offensive linemen with a rookie quarterback. So if your defensive line can feast on a rookie quarterback, it could be a long night for the Boise State Broncos. At the same time, though, I'm watching for those penalties. Is Florida State going to play more disciplined? Are they going to play within themselves? Because this is their game to lose right now. But the last thing you want to see, especially if you're a Florida State Seminole fan right now, is another um, example of history repeating itself where you're shooting yourself in the foot with these penalties and stupid um, errors. You said, I mean, if you're an offensive coordinator and you're showing up and, and you're like, okay, so what do I have to work with? I've got Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. I've got Tamari and Terry. I've got DJ Matthews. I mean, at that point, you should be like, all right, I can work with those guys. I can work with the kind of talent that this team is putting out there for me to be able to use. And you certainly expect uh, Kendall Bryles to to be in that mindset as they get ready to take on Boise State. And certainly more talk about this on the Friday edition of ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks Radio. So we'll keep talking about it. Uh, the big, of course, news from today is that the game has been moved from Jacksonville. So if you show up at TIAA Bank Field on Saturday night at 7 o'clock, uh, it's going to be empty. It will. You will not. You will not be a happy camper. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It will not be empty tonight. Hopefully, is the Thursday night preseason game. Jaguars Falcons. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not we'll making see. any predictions yep. on the uh, on the stadium when people are going to be showing up. 
but it's still an intriguing game to watch from a couple perspectives. We'll break that down. Uh, who's going to make the team? Who's on the outside looking in? And uh, maybe get some players to watch if we can dig yeah. deep enough here. We can do, for a, the game we can do a deep dive. I like it. All right, well, we'll talk a little Jaguars when we come back on ESPN 690. Oh, it is game day for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Folks are tailgating. Are people? Is anyone tailgating right now? Three forty-five. Game, game's game. at seven. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe people got off. Yeah. yeah it's maybe gonna, it's gonna be a long, long weekend. Maybe someone making Treat it. Yourself. Make it like a four and a half day weekend. Why not? Take well, off. Take off longer. Friday. Take off Monday. We'll see, man. Monday's already off for normal people. I forget about that. That it is. Uh, it's, it's gonna be off for me as well. Do we not have shows on Monday? We're not doing shows on Monday. Okay, well, there you go. There's a little spoiler for everybody out there. Spoiler alert. Yeah. See, I I, I am, can come in and talk wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I can uh, come in and talk all, uh, all out. All out going on. Yeah. There's some big changes to the card. But, yeah, I know you've you've mentioned that over the last couple of days. It, it's funny because, for me, I never have any idea on what, like, normal people days off are. And by normal people, I mean people who don't work in television because mm-hmm. there, there isn't, like, days off. Like, if you're scheduled to work a Thursday and it's Christmas, that you're still probably scheduled to work that unless you ask off. Sure. Because it's just a day. Yeah. Um, so, like, when I think about, like, what days people have off and someone's like, oh, yeah, Monday's off, right? And I'm like, well, what's Monday? Oh, Labor Day. That's a thing that people get. Yeah. In, in the normal world. What a, what a world to live in. Of course. Well, we, we offer very, we were fearing very bad for you, Stuart. Well, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's the entire point of this. This uh, tirade here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is to, to make that point and to say, hey. Point made. What in the world? Of course, uh, everyone's weekends are kind of in flux at the moment, thanks to uh, Hurricane Dorian uh, making its way towards the Sunshine State to prevent sunshine from coming through. Uh, so everyone's keeping an eye on Hurricane Dorian. We'll have some some updates from the Action News Jacks folks in studio here in a little bit. They'll drop by and kind of give you guys the latest. From a sports perspective, obviously, Florida State, Boise State has been moved to Tallahassee. When it comes to the high school game, uh, St. John's County School Districts have said everything is a go. So uh, the games that had been planned in St. John's County are a go. That includes uh, St. Augustine High School at Menendez for a big rivalry game, as well as Nice's home opener against Creekside. So those are the two games going on down in St. John's County that uh, are a go. Uh, still a go on Friday night. We'll remind you. We'll remind you that, of course, on uh, Friday night we'll have your ESPN 690 game of the week, and it's going to be in Nassau County, Uly at Fernandina Beach. Going to be a lot of fun as that game will be taking place up in Nassau County. So, as mentioned, the folks from Action News Jack stopping by to kind of give us a little insight, a little uh, information when it comes to Hurricane Dorian. We've, we've kind of said some of the, the sports effects. Mike Burrish, Chief Meteorologist for the First Lord Weather Team, hey, joining us now. How are we doing, uh, Mike? All right, good to be here. I haven't have been up studio. here for a while. Yeah. It's been a you guys bit. have made it really... I like it. It's home. Well, I have. Brent hasn't really... Added a lot to this section yet. Brent has just added more faces of himself in as many places yeah. as possible. Yeah, what's up yeah. with that? It's Brent. It's he's a, he's Brent. a very busy man. 
And I have time in my hands, as you can see. I am liking to my the, the Hawkeye sticker here. I like yeah. that oh, yeah, a lot. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Speaking makes of, me feel like home. Speaking of busy men, we know you are very busy right now. Yeah. Uh, give us a little update on uh, kind of what's what's the latest. What are what are we working on here for the shows this this afternoon? Well, the, Dorian's a ways away. It's a long ways out there, but it's going to intensify over the next few days. A lot of people are thinking their weekend's ruined, and really not so much. Not here at home. Now, having said that, you should stay up to date on all the forecasts every day and, and multiple times a day, really. And um, check to make sure that everything's on schedule. Uh, but as far as, as the weather itself, you'll, I think people will be surprised how much sun there is, and sometimes it won't be raining at all, and there'll just be a little breeze coming off the Atlantic, certainly for Saturday and Sunday. And by Labor Day, it gets a little wetter, a little windier, and Dorian's making its move toward the Florida coast, most likely kind of like Cape Canaveral, give or take a little bit there. Um, but I'll tell you what, a large part of the holiday weekend is not going to be ruined by this weather pattern. And then the next thing people are going to say, well, then why are all these things being changed? and amended. Well, that has a lot to do with the bigger picture. Not so much the weather specifically at any given time or place as much as infrastructure trying to move people, potential evacuations for southeast Florida, that sort of thing. So uh, I we're in pretty good shape the next couple of days, but it gets wetter as we get deeper into the holiday weekend, and then especially next week, uh, it could be a lot of water for us. I know a lot of the the folks listening at home have seen the the forecast track, mm-hmm. the the cone of concern in areas that we're watching. How much can this thing kind of move up and down? I'm sure it was everyone's thinking because, uh, you know, the closer we get to it, you kind of expect that cone to kind of minimize, right. and it's still kind of the entire state of Florida right now. Yeah, because it's still four and five days out, sure. so the more days, you're, you're talking a wider cone there, so it, you know, nor- and Jacksonville's sort of on that northern edge, and the Keys are kind of the southern edge. Uh, I, I think it's it's a pretty good bet that it's the central or southeast coast first. Now, it should turn a little northward once it makes landfall, but at that point, then it's over land, it's lost its source of energy, and it starts to weaken. Still can be pretty significant for us, but it wouldn't be like it will be for the east, central, and southeast coast of Florida. We're People really, especially, need to take this very, very seriously. And I know folks obviously move into Florida State game. Uh, that right. certainly has a lot to do with the the infrastructure and logistics that you were talking about. And I'm sure Mike Burrish, uh, you're joining us right now, and John Bachman's in here as well, and he can kind of expand on that a little bit. Uh, but the one of the key things I want to talk about, you, you say it's probably going to hit that Cape Canaveral area, that Central Florida area, but that's only the the center. That's only right. the eye, and the 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 effects are really going to be more wide-reaching, and you consider the the more severe side of the storm, that's generally the northern side, right? Isn't yeah, that where yeah. kind of the, Look at, the severe uh, stuff comes from? This is very impressive. God does it all. Uh, yeah. Uh, God does it all. So, yeah, you're right. It, it will be, you know, the, the strongest winds will probably extend 50-plus miles away from the center. Uh, and you also will be in that quadrant where we get a couple tornadoes and maybe a water spout. Certainly a lot of rain. This could be a whole lot of water. And uh, and so, yeah, it, it, be very careful about letting your guard down, thinking there's not anything at all going on here. Sure, it may not be the kind of violent hit that we may get further to the south where the actual initial landfall is, but still can be pretty significant impacts here over the next few days and maybe several days in a row. Could go into the middle of next week. Wow. All right, that is our chief meteorologist, Mike Bursch, kind of giving us a little bit of the weather side and uh, let us know where everyone can, can catch up with the, the very latest. All the very latest at Talking the Tropics with Mike. It's at actionnewsjacks.com, or you can download for free our First Alert weather app. And then, of course, almost round the clock, it seems like anyway, on uh, 
uh, CBS 47, Fox 30 Action News, Jax, and on the radio side, News 104.5 WOKV. So appreciate it, you guys. Hey, yeah, Mike, absolutely. Can yeah. I just go and request shotgun on the storm tracking vehicle if no one's requested that yet, man? You're in. Me and you. Oh, that, sold. Wouldn't that be a I'm blast? In. That sounds like... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it, mean, I'm kind of sticking around, hopefully, for that gig. So we'll see. And it's a I'm pretty cool, anywhere. And it's a pretty cool vehicle, actually. That's what I heard. I heard yeah. a lot of great things, yeah. man. Yeah. Right. Just, uh, you're in. Please keep me in mind. Thank Deal. you, man. It really is. I've actually driven it to some high school football now, games. Now, so. now I'm extra jealous. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a little uh, wrestling tag team maneuver here. Mike Burrish rolls out. He's headed He's down. tapping out. I'm tapping, tapping in. out back down to the studios. And now we can get kind of a little bit of a news perspective from uh, John Bachman, uh, one of our main anchors at Action News Jacks, and letting us know a little bit of the, the effect that this storm is having. Even though it's four to five days out, uh, it's still certainly having a big effect on northeast Florida and I southeast Georgia. I think the Georgia. biggest thing right now, right now, is is you kind of touched on it with the Florida State Boise State game. Man, I tweeted that out and I got more responses. I mean, there's a lot of people uh, on both yeah. sides of the fence yeah. on that one, and I and, and I get it. Um, so, but as Mike touched on, it's not necessarily what the weather's going to be like. In fact, it's definitely not what the weather's going to be like on Saturday because it's going to be as he as he said, it sounds like it's going to be pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's because of the fact that you're going to have potentially a bunch of people heading north. And you've got, as also has been touched on, you know, you've got all these um, um, first responders it takes to to get people in and out of a stadium um, who otherwise may be needed elsewhere. And so, I, you know, they, they, they made it out of, uh, you know, abundance of caution. And, and to put it, uh, they moved it to noon, I think it is, in Tallahassee. Correct, noon, yes. Yeah, so that way it gives chance to get all those folks in and out of there, and it, and it, and it won't be, you know, such an issue, perhaps, on the roads and, and whatnot. The other thing uh, to think about, as far as you know, the, the hotels and the businesses, they may get a lot of people from South Florida coming north that you know may help um, replace some of the rooms that were lost by some of the folks who may lo- no longer be staying there. So there's a little offset there as well. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah but, and that's certainly something we're thinking of is just the the impact that yeah, it's, it's going to have. It's, it's, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's, it's going to hurt. hurt the city of Jacksonville yeah. to not have this game here. Just as well, far the, as the exposure, heads and beds, heads and beds, but also money, the national but, exposure sure. that always comes yeah. with a national game. Of course, absolutely. And it, it, it had to have been a difficult decision to make, but it was made, and and you got to respect that for sure. Um, otherwise, you know, you talk about you know supplies. I don't know if any of you guys have been out to try to get gas or. Or head to yeah, the yeah. grocery store the yeah. last 24 hours, but that's been a bit of an issue some places. Um, I think the big thing to remember is that we have plenty of time, and so I know people want to, you know, get out and get everything right away, um, and that's fine. The, the the for folks who are running into, you know, empty shelves or empty pumps at the station, mm-hmm. uh, remember that there's still plenty of time to restock and resupply. So if, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. You'll you'll get something here in the next couple of days. Certainly not worth panicking at this point in time for that. Little insider secret: us in the sports department, we rely on the news people to stock up the uh, the building for us. Oh, right on. That's that's a smart play. Good we have know. a lot of water downstairs for sure. So for thirsty. Okay, yeah, I got right. you. That's right. Um, so what else? Yeah, that's about. That's, I mean, that's going to be the big talker for the for the yep. next several days, obviously. Uh, and as Mike said, and you know, he he alluded to, and we were just talking about this in the meeting. And there are again updates at five o'clock and eleven o'clock tonight. So make sure you watch Action News Jack CBS forty seven Fox thirty for the very latest at five o'clock, especially. But as this thing progresses, of course, we'll have a better idea exactly where this thing's going and exactly what can and can't happen. But his point is that. If the current track holds and this thing hits, you know, somewhere Cape Canaveral-ish and then starts moving very slowly up the state of Florida, 
while it may not be a wind event, he mentioned rain, it's going to be a very much a water event. And, you know, it harkens back to just a couple of years ago with Irma when we had all of that rain. Clay, you know, Clay County, the Black Creek area flooded out mm-hmm. a lot of homes. You had San Marco and Riverside neighborhoods that were underwater for, for several days. It, you know, so just because the storm doesn't hit directly anywhere here and and that is still of course a possibility which is why we're you know it is being... and then you always have the opp- the possibility of something like matthew where maybe it skirts up that coast right i've seen some models there's yeah and not those kind of models i've seen some models for the weather <laughs> that have nobody said made that, that kind of assumption they did except you they did at home they were they were thinking that um so you know the predictive models of the the storm may be coming up that coast so that's certainly yeah. something to to, to keep an eye on as well. Uh, as Absolutely. We, as it we does seem forward. that it's yeah. you know getting more likely to be where, where that center of the cone is. Which, by the way, Elon Musk, lock your stuff up, bro. I, right. A lock Canaveral, up all I mean, the that's, SpaceX stuff. I'm sure they've... Oh, that's where all the stuff's at. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Cape Canaveral, those, man. All those rockets. Dang. But I, they, they obviously, you know... That's Starhopper. We're going to need that thing to get to Mars now. Make sure that thing doesn't get damaged. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you that's what. That's right. That's right. All right, well, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, and, you bet. Um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow and fill you in on the next to latest. But oh, certainly yeah. tune in at 5 o'clock, CBS yeah. 47 and Fox 30 still. Still working out that deal with Dish. I don't know what's going on there. But you can catch Action News Jackson 5 on both stations. So, John, is your job technically easier now because it's kind of the same yes. story to cover? Or is it harder now because it's nonstop around the well, horn coverage? Well, it's going to be it's gonna be more hours. Okay. But... It's more Let's weather, so tune. Mike is going to be one. carrying the torch yeah. here for yeah. the next several days. Now, okay. once we start getting into it and there's um, the, reports the to be had and all mm-hmm. that, then it becomes more of a news thing and less of a weather thing. But sure. the lead up and and the, and as this thing kind of gets to us and beyond us is a is a weather thing until yeah. there's news to to, to cover. But uh, yeah, it's just going to be you know. Uh, my, I know what I'm doing this weekend, and it's not barbecuing. <laughs> Let's put it that way. All right, that is John Bachman. Not going Bachman to Florida State. No, not doing that. 47, Fox Thanks, 30, Action News Jax. Appreciate it. And uh, as he said, be sure to catch the very latest at 5 o'clock. You know, we we go into a, a different schedule style on the TV side when, when these storms come around. For little, sure. A little 12 on 12 off, as we like to call it. Okay. You got two different teams going yeah. back and forth, a little tag team, kind of like Bursch and Bachman did there a moment ago. Yeah, we also go on a different schedule in sports radio sometimes and talk take, a lot about off. the weather. I know. It's all good, though, man. You know what? That's, it's it's, it's yep, important. It's that's very the topical. Story. And, uh, very topical. And we People got to get their water. We certainly want to keep everyone at home informed on what all is going on. We also want to keep you informed about the Jacksonville Jaguars as they play their fourth preseason game. We, we teased a little bit. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the things to watch tonight. It's not the starters. Uh, you won't watch the starters tonight. This just in. Uh, you wouldn't, no matter what strategy Doug Marone and company were taking for this fourth preseason game. But uh, there are battles to be won. There are jobs to be won. And it's certainly some guys whose livelihood is on the line tonight. And we will discuss that coming up next here on ESPN 690 on a Thursday. On a Jaguars game day, the Atlanta Falcons coming to town. We'll discuss battles coming up next here on ESPN 690. Oh, it's starting to fill up here in the ESPN 690 studio. Marcel Robinson joining us for some Jaguars discussion. Before that, by the way, uh, another note. Uh, one more high school football game has been canceled. The Bulls game they were hosting Miami Lakes will not happen. Uh, obviously, the folks down in Hialeah uh, a little more concerned with the storm, as uh, it could very well go into 
that area. So Miami Lakes will not be making the trip up to Jacksonville. So if you were going to the Bulls game, uh, which one of our photographers was, I'll have to make that adjustment in the schedule because they will not be going to that one anymore. Bulls game. The Blitz is taking some hits, man. Oh, boy. The Blitz is, the Blitz is going to be like two games just stretched out a lot. The two you go to and our game of the week, there we uh, go. We'll which you it. can listen to right here on ESPN 690. Of course, that's a 7 o'clock kickoff at Fernandina Beach. The Yuli Hornets in a battle for Nassau County. Uh, looking forward to it. Going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk more about that tomorrow, though. Today we're talking Jacksonville Jaguars preseason game number four and what to watch for, uh, which, as you know, if you're at home listening, will not be the starters. Uh, that is not what you will watch for because – this is the final opportunity for a lot of the guys on the roster to earn a spot uh, on this team. Or maybe you put something on tape that helps you earn a spot on another team. Uh, so certainly there is a whole lot on the line for the players that will play tonight. And we'll let Austin Lane kind of lead us off with, what are you watching? Who are you watching? What are you hoping to see tonight from the Jaguars? Obviously the result doesn't matter, but some of the individual performances certainly will. So, yeah, you kind of said it. I mean, you're not going to see really any starters tonight. I think the question mark is Quincy Williams. There there was some teasing where would he get just maybe a series or two to kind of get acclimated uh, to his first NFL game since he's been out with an injury. If it's me, if, if, I, if I'm the coach, um, unless you're 100%, and listen, it, it's kind of hard to gauge that as a professional athlete, as a coach, because, of course, the athlete's going to tell you, yeah, I want to play, I want to play. I mean, I think if you're Quincy Williams right now, you're chomping at the bit to get in the game and just experience that kind of atmosphere and what it's all about. But at the same time, you have to kind of, you know, pull on the reins a little bit and be easy and work his way back because they need him against Kansas City week one. So... I'll be curious to see if Quincy Williams plays tonight. I wouldn't bank on it, but if he's out there, definitely some someone to key on. Taven Bryan is another guy that I'll be keying in on tonight. Um, this is a guy who, listen, he's got a lot of scrutiny in the media. He's got a lot of scrutiny from the fan base, and he needs to have a good game tonight. Now, is all the scrutiny warranted? See, I think he plays a position in that three technique where unless you get four or five sacks like your Aaron Donald the game, people are going to kind of rag on you a little bit. You know, I always compare him to Tyson Alualu. There's a reason why Tyson Alualu is still in the league um, after all these years. And there's a reason why he provides depth for one of the best defensive lines in the entire NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's because he's great at what he does. Now, does Tyson Alualu get a lot of sacks? Did he get a lot of sacks in Jacksonville? No, they didn't really need him to. Now, yeah, that, that is a bonus. I mean, of course, sack is what's going to, you know, get you the paycheck, Mm -hmm. but it's taking on the double teams. It's causing chaos in the backfield. It's getting tackles for loss. It's keeping the the offensive linemen off the linebackers. And Tyson did that uh, to a very elite ability. So with Taven Bryan now, um, I think you're seeing a guy who started out kind of slow in the preseason. I think it's a guy who you saw the last preseason game uh, almost kind of you know, push a little too hard now where he's getting the, the effort penalties, you know, and I'm under the old school philosophy where if you get the effort penalties, I can live with that. What I cannot live with is the, I guess, like the mistake penalties, you know, if you're off sides, if, if you're in the neutral zone lined up. With Taven Bryan, if you watch those effort penalties that he had um, against the Miami Dolphins, the first one against Ryan Fitz- Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick should probably get an Oscar for flopping because it was quite the performance. Now, yeah, it was a penalty. I mean, it fit the profile. But at the same time, Fitzpatrick didn't do many favors by kind of, you know, 
almost acting like he was Manu Ginobili out sure. there and flopping. Yeah. So the, the second one, though, was blatant as day is long, where it was definitely a penalty. And with Taven Bryan, it's just it's a guy who's starting to press a little bit. He's trying to get in that stat box. I think he's hearing what people are saying about him, and he's not liking it, and he's trying to make a name for himself. So I hope you know we see him come out this game, come out calm, cool, collected with a calm demeanor, and then you know go from there. And, and you make a, a, a very compelling comparison there with Tyson Alualu, and the reason I say that is because they share another thing in common. They were both first-round picks. And that, well, yeah. that is always one of the things that's going to stick out is, was this guy worthy of being a first-round pick? Now, Tyson obviously went a, a lot higher than Taven did. Taven was a 29th pick, so very late in the first round, but certainly uh, something that will be associated with him for the rest of his career as a first-round NFL draft pick. Marcel, what are you looking for tonight? I think for me, it's it's probably the back end um of the corner the uh, defensive back room. I think we obviously it, – it's so hard here in Jacksonville just because we have – you know, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boyer are pretty much locks as far as from a cornerback standpoint. And it's almost similar to the issue that we had uh, with the wide receiver room back when we had A-Rob and Hearns and Lee. It's kind of like you know we have guys that are pretty much set. You can toss D.J. Hayden in that mix with uh, with the 20 and 21, but uh, just the back-end cornerback guys because they've actually been making plays uh, this preseason. You have Breon Borders, who's had a couple clutch PBUs uh, at the Eagles game here. Um, you, you have uh, who else we have? Picasso Nelson, obviously, with the pick. Um, it's, I think I feel like those guys are really, you know, putting in the work. Obviously, with having someone like Jalen and Boyer to kind of learn from, I feel like, and even just kind of talking to them, they've had that kind of sense of humility, knowing that hey, look, it's it's not necessarily a long shot, but they have to play their way onto this particular team. Um, but I feel like they they've answered the bell, and and with the starters not getting much play time, they've really kind of taken advantage of uh, the time they can get on the field. Very good point, and certainly something we'll be keeping an eye on here tonight. And like you said, it, it's so easy to just look at the top-end talent and not kind of worry about the rest of the team. Right. And when you're talking about NFL game days, that's fine. You're worried about the top-end talent. That's what you're watching. But tonight is about the back end. It's about the the coaching staff really completing that 53-man roster. Hey, look, tonight, tonight might only decide guys 46 to 53. That might be the only real jobs that are kind of on the line. But – for those guys who are 46 to 53 on that 53-man roster, this is the biggest night of the year. This is the biggest game that they will face the entire year. And uh, you kind of mentioned the, the wide receiver room. That's what I'm watching. I'm watching those guys who might be fighting for perhaps the last or one of the last two wide receiver spots because, look, that is a, a receiving core that is pretty set in stone when you look at the top five. I mean, you look at the guys who they have and Chris Conley, Marquise Lee, uh, Keelan Cole has, we had some questions about it at the beginning of the season, the, uh, preseason, but I feel like he's kind of proven himself through practices to the point that he has, you know, deservedly earned a spot in that 53. Uh, and then you also talk about DD Westbrook and DJ Chark. That's five right there. Boom. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. talking about a team that's probably going to have six on that final roster. So is it a guy like CJ Board who has that speed and that ability to take the top off of a defense? Or is it a guy like uh, Tyree Brady, maybe a Trey McBride, Terrell Pryor even? I mean, these are these are the guys who are fighting for that spot and for that opportunity to be a part of this team. And, and while a lot of people can be like, oh, why don't you just stash a couple guys on the practice squad? Well, it's not that easy. Right. Because yeah. – uh, as the Jacksonville Jaguars are evaluating all these players tonight and trying to see where those battles are going to be, every one of the other 31 teams in the NFL are doing the exact same thing. And the Jaguars are doing that for the other 31 teams. They're they're watching that bat- those battles at the back end of the roster to see, hey, 
who might be available, whether it be from a competition standpoint, maybe it's a contract issue. Maybe you're talking about guys who, you know, aren't playing up to the number that is up there. So maybe they get let go and you're talking about a guy who deserves to be on a 53-man roster but finds himself floating out there and ready to be picked up by another team. And speaking of that wide receiver group and – I don't know how the coaches feel about Terrell Pryor. You know, we've talked about him a bunch on this show. Um, I think especially in OTAs because he is a name splash. Well, he has that bigger body though, yeah. right? Like if you look at that wide receiver group right now, yeah, he's, he's a guy that sticks yep, out. No you know, doubt. he's he's about six four, two thirty, and he is the outlier in a good way. Where if you're in the red zone, you want to have that kind of big body. You want to have a guy who you know is used to making those catches in the end zone. Um, but at the same time, we haven't seen him on the field. And one would think this is probably an injury concern because the coaches just wouldn't, you know, sit him the entire preseason unless they're that confident in his abilities, which I get it. He is a vet, but at the same time, only really had one good year to go off of. You know, the rest, I think, was kind of mediocre. So I'm curious to see if Pryor gets a lot of playing time tonight, if he does what he does with it. And if he can actually cement himself on this roster, because if you're in his spot right now, there's a couple things working against you. Number one, you don't play special teams. Mm -hmm. And if you don't play special teams, that's one more reason why a team can cut you. Because if you play special teams, and that's kind of the big thing that you tell a lot of, you know, free agents that are rookies, where it's like, make the special teams and just go from there. Well, Pryor doesn't play that, so he has that going against him. Also, his price tag. You know, being kind of a, a vet who's been around for a while, it's going to cost a lot more to keep him as opposed to like maybe like a Tyree Brady or a C.J. Board. And then also, uh, the, the third point I'm trying to make here is the fact that he didn't come up in the system, right? This isn't a guy that was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not, it's not a guy who was brought in by the team. I mean, yes, they brought him in, but you know, he's been other places before the, Jacksonville. So sometimes um, teams want to go with like their homegrown guy and kind of cultivate him a little bit and shape him. Uh, with Terrell Pryor not really doing that. So if he does play tonight, he's going to have to have a huge game to kind of stand out because if he doesn't, I, I feel like despite his size, despite um, what he's done in the past, he's probably not going to make the team. Yeah, that size is always the thing that stands out. It's like if you were standing in a room of me's. Yeah. It would just be... Beard, dreads, tattoos, take your pick. Huge, huge disparity. Yeah. Uh, but what's the greatest ability? Uh, availability. Oh, right? there we go. Yeah. Yes. Got to be able to get out there and play. So yeah. certainly uh, something... That we will keep an eye on. I think another point too, you got to drive home is the, the backup quarterback position. Sure. You know, uh, I'm sure Gardner Minshew is going to see a lot of reps tonight, and it's to the point now where is he going to be the bona fide backup quarterback, or do the Jaguars feel like maybe they have to address it? You know, when the roster cuts come out. You know, I mean, a couple names right off the top of the list that I, that are come to my head. I was watching Hard Knocks. You know, I don't think the Raiders are going to keep Mike Glennon and Nathan Peterman. I mean, do you give Peterman a shot? He's got the Jacksonville ties. If he does get cut, I. I don't know. You know, I think of it to me personally. Gardner Minshew is a guy that he took late in the draft. He seems to be progressing week by week. I still think you stick with him unless there's a quarterback out there. Uh, you know, when when everybody gets cut, where it's like, can this guy come in and actually win us games? Because there's a difference between can this guy come in and manage the game? Can this guy come in and win us a game? And in terms of the backup quarterback position, especially on waivers. Not a lot of guys out there. Backup QBs are in very high demand right now because there's been a lot of injuries to backup QBs in this offseason. I mean, shoot, you got guys coming out of retirement left and right to jump into those spots when Chad Henney goes down, uh, Cody Kessler goes down. Yeah. Am I just naming former Jaguars who got hurt? Yep, you I don't know. Fun.
Name two. How about Blaine Gabbert? How about you there watch you tonight's pregame show on Fox 30 when Marcel Robinson has that specific story? Oh, nice. That's a little segue then. That's what we call the tease. That's Sorry, tease. man. That's Didn't really tease. mean to steal your shine over there. <laughs> no, that's good. That's also the next time you'll see me uh, as I'm off to go uh, get some, some more work done. Cool. Uh, Marcel Robinson. We'll slide over here into the video seat so people can see him. He's wearing sunglasses. Coolest it's ridiculous. Man in the studio. You heard Trey. Future's looking so bright. Uh, ridiculous. Much more Jaguars talk coming up with Austin Lane and Marcel Robinson next right here on ESPN 690. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo. Jacksonville, guess what? Stuart Weber is here. Finally, someone with some talent. <laughs> You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with Brett Martineau and Austin Lane on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Who's move of the week right there? That hurts a little bit. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. No, I mean, hey, uh, Mike, go, go, on, go okay. and go. Marcel Robinson is in the house. He's go. definitely the coolest guy in that room. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with Brett Martineau and Austin Lane on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Little forced, but we'll allow it. I'm not gonna say that made up for it, but it, it made sting. It made sting a little less. Okay, and can I just say it stings every single time I hear yours and Stewart's because I get nothing. Literally, it's oh hey, welcome back, Austin's here. Uh, we have the coolest guy in the studio. We have the guy with the most sports knowledge or whatever with some talent in Stuart Weber, and we got Austin here. That's all right. I'm, I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It's not a big deal. I mean, but you're kind of on, like, all the promos and the open. Hey, and my big head's sitting right behind you right there, I man. I am in the cutout. I don't, surprisingly enough, I don't have a bigger-than-life-size caricature of myself anywhere. That's all I need, yeah, for sure. And, and then eventually when we get that action sports uh, Jack's car wrapped up with my head in the in the passenger seat, that's all I need. You so know, Now that I think about it, I have a small issue. Okay. A little, little bit of an issue. Okay, a little off topic there. issue. There you good. I'm always being accused of, you know, being a narcissist with all my my pictures of myself and everything. First of all, can I just say that before we get in the story? I've never once, I've never once talked bad about that. Right? This is true. I've this always true. supported you, you're man. On, you just the, be you. You're on the team. You just be you. Yes. Okay. We have two. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I know exactly where you're going with this. We, right ha- now. we have two very much larger than life size. Uh, heads of our fearless leader, Brent Martineau. Yeah. And he has not been accused once. <laughs> and Brent's here's the guy that's probably making the most fun of you. And he's on the hat. And he's on the hat as Which well. Which I wear, proudly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> that's it. Shots have been fired. We'll get Brent's response in the 5 o'clock hour, man. You guys might be going back and forth I just, the next couple of days. I just have concerns, that's all. No, it's all good. I understand, man. Um, Yeah, it, you know, if, some, if a stranger came in here or a guest came in here, and, you know, no judgment, but they saw Brent's face in the window. Then they saw a life-size cutout of Brent in the corner. I'm sure they would think that Brent Martineau loves him some Brent Martineau, and they would probably think Austin Lane loves him some Austin Lane. So I get where you're coming from. And I, I would defend both of you, by the way. I was going to say, I I, I'm a little self-conscious now. I didn't really think about it until you brought it up, but maybe we'll have to do a little improvising and rearrange the studio a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I, I don't need a picture of me in here, though. I don't need a picture. Okay, we'll see what happens. Hey, listen, if you want to be part of the conversation here uh, on ESPN 690 Jacks, hit us up. Star Star 690 uh, is the telephone number. We can talk Jags. We can talk style. Now with Marcel's here. can really talk anything. But we're talking right now. And I don't know if this guy is really... An omen in terms of making his NFL predictions, okay. but this was kind of the story on ESPN 
where Stephen A. Smith came out and said that the Jacksonville Jaguars are, sh- they should be favored to win the AFC South. You actually watched this transpire. I did. Your thoughts, Marcel? Um, I think that it's it's kind of a not necessarily a knee jerk, but a little bit of a knee jerk reaction because of the uh, Andrew Luck. Um, you know everything has transpired with there with him retiring. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say the Jags are a lock. I I've always thought that they were. You know, they should have been considered as far as like you know one of the favorites to win the AFC South. But I think it's kind of one of those where the national media and even even us us here too, like we know about you know coming in with the preseason hype. Um, there's still so many questions to be answered as far as on, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they addressed you know what was considered to be the biggest need in the offseason, bringing in Nick Foles, but. I mean, we, you know, with all the injuries we had coming in, you know, during the training camp and, and, and with multiple positions, we don't even know who's going to be the opening day starter. Uh, with all the questions, I wouldn't necessarily say they're a lock, but at the same time, given everything that's going on with the other teams in the AFC South, I think that they have more of a chance than they've ever, than they've had yeah. you know, during the course of this offseason. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, you know, because, I mean, listen, every team's going to have their question marks. And I think with the Jaguars right now, the biggest question marks you're going to have is who's playing tight end, who you're going to throw the ball to there, and also I think the backup running back spot is a question mark as well, and maybe the outside linebacker spot, but Quincy Williams is kind of slated to come back now and get that starting role. So, yeah, you have question marks. But if you look at the AFC South division right now, and every other team's question marks, they all have one thing in common, I think, that the Jacksonville Jaguars do not have in common with them, and that's the quarterback play. Yeah. Now, let's start in Houston. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of hype around Deshaun Watson. You know, I mean, if you're a fantasy player, he's like the top three fantasy quarterback taken right now. Yep. He's throwing to Hopkins. They, they have a great receiving room. Uh, Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti kind of came out last year a little bit playing that slot, mm-hmm. and I understand that. I understand there's a lot of hype around Watson because he has the weapons to throw to. That offensive line is going to be a liability, I think. Um, watching the preseason, it's going to be a liability, and I think the question comes is how long or is how healthy can Deshaun Watson stay for 16 games a season? Yeah, I think uh, I think Deshaun Watson. I think that the questions are are fair, but I still think that I still think he still hasn't scratched the surface. Okay. From a potential standpoint, I feel that uh, well, especially with Andrew Luck not being in the picture anymore, he's he's the quarterback that most will look at to say, you know, he's probably, from in terms of overall talent, what he can do from an athlete standpoint, mm-hmm. I think he's up there. Um, and, of course, he's got, you know, that, that guy wearing number 10 that catches, you know, everything thrown his way. Sure. Um, but I think the offensive line it, is uh, a major question. I mean, we, we've seen what, what an off- a bad offensive line can do to a team. We've seen what a good offensive line can do. And I think that the hope is for, from a Houston standpoint, obviously, is is to fix what's protecting him because if you can protect him, then he can do more. Um, obviously, and then you have teams like Jacksonville where they have you know Josh Allen's and then Gogways mm-hmm. and and Clayus Campbell, you know, pinning their ears back and coming after him. I mean, I don't think there's a team in the division or maybe in the league that can stop all three of those guys, you know, if they're coming. Absolutely not. Yeah, I agree with that. And then with the Tennessee Titans, you know, you have you have your this, the highest paid starting left tackle Taylor Lewan, right, sitting out four games, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Marcus Mariota, who, you know, I get it. The guy's played hurt a lot, and I respect that. But if you look at his numbers, Mm -hmm. if you look at the performance on the field, it hasn't been up to par. And you have a team, the Tennessee Titans, and you have a fan base in the Tennessee Titans who are almost saying now that Ryan Tannehill should be the guy. Yeah. You know? 
so there's another question mark at quarterback, you know, and let's be honest, the most important position on that football field is the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, th- th- there might be some um, question marks regarding Nick Foles, but let me ask you this question. I think I, I know where you're going to lean here, and I think I know where you're going to take, but if you could take one quarterback right now in the AFC South, Brissett, Watson, Foles, Mariota, or let's say Tannehill, because who knows who's going to start up the Tennessee Titans right now, who are you taking? If I had to pick one, yeah, um, without the risk of sounding, you know, like a homer, you know, I mean, I, I would honestly, I think I would have to take Foles. Exactly. Um, yeah. Just for for not even just because of what he can do on the field, because I think honestly, I think we've even though we had you know the one successful drive in Miami from uh, uh, with the ones and the starters, I think we've still yet to see what exactly Nick Foles is going to bring to Jacksonville. I don't think we've had nearly as much of a sample size. Obviously, it was good to see them get in the end zone in Miami, mm-hmm. but during the course of that game, because I was there and just seeing kind of you know how the game progressed and 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 you know every play from scrimmage that he was in, I think there's still some rust from the starters that needs to be shaken off. I don't I don't think they can stroll out there week one and keep up with the Chiefs. It's already tough enough. But at the same time, I think that leadership standpoint that we all preach about and everyone else preaches about Nick Foles is is really big. I mean, mm-hmm. from, from a team standpoint, not having one guy who can come into the locker room, you know, with, during after a bad half of football or before a game or, at, you know, after a bad practice to bring everybody up and they literally lock in and listen, I think not having that is is huge. And now that they have that here, obviously, you know, we had Blake last year. We all love Blake, but he wasn't necessarily that vocal kind of bring everybody together kind of guy. Um, and now there were a couple instances where he would, and, and how much people kind of locked in and really took heed to what he was saying, I don't know. But I, I don't think that that's something that you worry about having with Nick Foles because that Super Bowl ring speaks volumes. It does speak volumes. I think that's the most important part, especially from a young team last year who lacked the discipline, who lacked the leadership. And Mm -hmm. I think, listen, I think Deshaun Watson, three or four years now down the line, Mm -hmm. could be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, I think he's the, if you were to take Deshaun Watson right now in the AFC South, he's the ultimate boomer bust kind of player. Thanks. Right. Um, he has the potential to have the highest ceiling, but at the same time, I think with his, with his ability to run from the pocket, sometimes get in trouble, make some bad decisions. You know, he also gives you a pretty low floor, especially with injuries. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I, I would take Foles. And if we're taking Foles as the quarterback right now, um, you have to like the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, chances because you have a team in the Jacksonville Jaguars probably have the best defense in the AFC South. Um, I understand the Texans are up there as well, but I'm, I'm taking Jacksonville all day, and then that's kind of from an unbiased opinion. You know, I, I know Tennessee's going to be tough. I understand the Indianapolis Colts kind of added some pieces. Justin Houston, you know, a fantastic pass rusher. Um, you know, they had a rookie last year who was, I think, an all-pro at linebacker. So they they have the pieces in mind, but I think from the top to bottom, um, from the, the from the front line to, to playing center field, that safety spot, I think Jacksonville has the most complete team um, on defense. And I think if you have a good quarterback, I think if you have um, an arguably decent running game that's got a lot of potential and you have that great defense, how could you not take Jacksonville to win this division? You know, and that says a lot about Andrew Luck, too. But listen, I was the guy that sat here and said, if assuming Andrew Luck was going to play, I like the Colts. And Everyone I, did. Yeah, and I understand the Colts were the sexy pick and all this. You know, it seems, it seems like every single year someone's got the sexy pick that they want to take. And this year was the Colts. Everyone was talking about the Colts. But I honestly like them, you know, and a big reason was because of Andrew Luck. Now, you know, props to Andrew Luck. I, I've already sung his praises. I mean, chose to walk away. More power to you, man. Wish you best of luck. But now you got Jacoby Brissett coming in, 
who is not Andrew Luck, with all due respect. I mean, right. I understand the coaches are very high on Jacoby Brissett, but he's not the, the elite talent that Luck was. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm making the bet, if I'm an analyst on you know the, the, the big ESPN, the big giant station, I'm saying the Jaguars are going to win, too, because I think all the pieces right now are there, and I think all the stars are, quote-unquote, aligning for the Jaguars to run the division this year. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I think that for those people who are kind of still saying, you know, the Colts have a, a chance to kind of run away with this, I, I know it, uh, every year is different from year to year, but I saw what happened last time the Jags played Jacoby Brissett. Um, and the Colts, and it was not pretty for Jacoby. And I think that's going to be the model that all teams are going to take playing the Colts this year. We come back in ESPN 690. He's going to do a little balling and falling. And uh, Leonard Fournette, a little story came out about him today. Going to get into that a little bit, has some sound bites. And uh, we'll go from there. ESPN 690. It's hard, man. People you grow up. I grew up with 20 years plus. Uh, since kids, uh, sleeping in the same bed, going to the same school, uh, things like that. Everyone's not going to be on the same level as you. You know, you can always love them in your heart, but got to keep a distance from them, you know. Everybody doesn't have the same goals, not going to walk the same paths as you. They have to go through their own. I have to go through my own things, too. You know, it's no love lost. It's just got to distance yourself from some people. Jacksonville running back Leonard Fournette, kind of just breaking it down a little bit. Um, that is a little clip from the audio that we can watch and listen to, I believe, next week. Brent Martino sat down with Leonard Fournette one-on-one and did a pretty cool interview. So keep your eyes peeled to that. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll share that during for all our platforms and everything. But it's a little preview for everybody out there. But since we're on the Leonard Fournette topic, uh, an article got released today by the Bleacher Report. And I'll bring that up right now. And it's funny because the guy that wrote the article who I didn't even... By the way, the, the article is called the, the Reawakening of Leonard Fournette, uh, which is with Bleacher Report. Uh, and the gentleman that wrote the article, his name was Tyler Dunn. And I actually probably talked to Tyler Dunn probably about 40 minutes uh, when the Jaguars played the Eagles. He was in the press box. And that oh, was no. my first press box uh, experience. And Tyler Dunn was in there. And the reason I know Tyler is because he used to work for the, the Journal Sentinel in Wisconsin. Okay. And when I was getting drafted out of Murray State, he actually did an article on me. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Dunn comes up to me. He's like, hey, Austin, long time no see. And I'll be honest. Had, had, I had no idea what this dude was. Did you give him the, hey, Yeah, pretty much. Up, I'm like, hey, hey, it's you. All right. <laughs> you know, a little finger point and everything, a little gun, a little yep. smoking guns. Yep. And, uh, you know, but immediately he kind of gathered that I didn't recognize him. So he's like, yeah, you know, I'm from the Journal Sentinel. We did an interview. I'm like, number one, you got a really good memory because I'm sure you do a lot of <laughs> interviews and everything. Right. right. Um, but, yeah, we kind of talked a little bit and everything like that. He covers uh, – he was in town, I think, for the – actually, the – I think he was in town for the article that he just wrote about Fournette, yep. but also he lives in Buffalo now. I think he covers the Bills a little bit and maybe the Eagles as well because he was there working for the Eagles um, sideline as well. So really cool guy, really great article. Kind of gives you, um, you know, kind of the, the behind the scenes of what Fournette was going through um, a little bit with his mindset. And listen, I'll be the first one to tell you where. I think a lot of times the fans expect a player, especially a high-profile player, especially a first-round pick like Leonard Fournette, to get drafted, to come to a team. And 
not only produce on the field, obviously, but also be like this model citizen, right? right. To, to be like this, just this upstanding guy. And I got news for you. Not everybody's going to be a Tim Tebow when they come out of college and go to an NFL team. That's just the way it is. You know, there's different upbringings, there's different environments, and there's different people that those people surround themselves with. So I think sometimes, and I'm not trying to make excuses. You know, I think last year we saw with Fournette where, you know, we saw him getting a fight in Buffalo. We, right. we kind of saw the, the controversy in Houston when he was sitting on the bench and everything. And Coach Marone and uh, Tom Coughlin made it very, um, you know, very knowledgeable that they weren't going to accept that kind of behavior this year. Right. So I'm not trying to make up excuses for everybody, but I think everybody matures at a different pace. And I think this year, uh, Marcel, we're seeing with Leonard Fournette where he has kind of taken it upon himself a little bit. He has taken that next step and it's kind of turning over a new leaf. And that's what the article showed as well. Yeah, I completely agree. It's funny because uh, reading through the article um, or most of it, it was almost identical to kind of what we kind of talked about in our sit down with him uh, a few days ago. Okay, yeah. Um, but but I, I completely agree 100%. I think that it's I think it's one of those things where sometimes fans and even even some of us media members to an extent kind of forget, you know, like when we see these guys in the locker rooms or whatever, we sometimes can forget that they're they're like, you know, young 20-year-old kids, mm-hmm. you know, especially from someone like Leonard coming from where he's come from. You know, being from you know New Orleans, Louisiana, everything. Yeah. Um, you kind of get a little bit wide-eyed when you get into the league, and, and I think a lot of players do that. Mm-hmm. And do I do I think that that excuses some of his behavior? Of course not. Like you said, you know, I was there in, in Buffalo when when the fight happened, so I kind of saw you know the 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 um, I guess kind of the the pressure building heading into that when mm-hmm. that happened, and then of course in Houston I was there as well. You know, with him in, in the yelling situation on the bench, uh, which by the way I didn't realize I was the common denominator there. Um, but <laughs> coincidence. Yeah, maybe, sorry, two seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 I, I do think that you know between the stuff that happened last season and in the off season, I think that he's really kind of showing a sense of maturity. Mm. Uh, now, of course, it's easy to say say the things; it's hard to live it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Easy to dream a dream, hard to live it. But I I honestly do feel the sincerity. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talks about that kind of stuff. Um, some of the things you'll hear about um, in our interview next week in our in our Jaguars preview special, uh, one of the one of the bites, and we'll get to a little bit later. But he really seems to have like a different kind of mindset, like you know, um, like even checking and kind of rapping with him, kind of in Miami. You know, I was walking around the team hotel and I saw him, and and he's typically kind of a you know when you see him, he's all smiling and, and everything. But sometimes when you catch him out, he's a little bit subdued. Like he's always been kind of like that. Yeah. Um. But I mean, we we stopped and we chatted for you know a couple of minutes down in in the Miami gift shop. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think he's really serious about turning over a new leaf. I think a lot of things happened where he kind of was able to sit back and say, "This is not you know who I am." Yeah. You know, growing up kind of thing. And uh, I honestly think we'll see a newer Leonard Fournette, not just on the field, but off the field. You know, and you mentioned turning over the new leaf. And it's like you said, man, you, you can say these things, but but action speaks a little louder than words. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've seen from Leonard Fournette this year so far, at least, you know, in training camp, he's making a habit of talking to all the kids, you know, whether he's giving up his cleats, um, whether he's giving up his jerseys, you know, just 
taking time for that younger generation, which I think is fantastic. Um, so he's kind of taking it upon himself to to do that a little more, I feel like. I think uh, you know, the first preseason game we saw him with a headset yep. uh, on the sideline. You know, He mm-hmm. wasn't playing in the game, but wanted to, see, you, you wanted to stay in tune to it, right? He wanted to hear the play calling and everything like that. Wanted to support his teammates, cheer on his teammates. That's fantastic. You know, like th- Those are actions that I can point to and say, you know what? Yeah. He is making the change. Yep. And then another big action as well is going to train in Wyoming, which he talked about a little bit as well where listen i've never been to wyoming all right i've been to montana i've been snowboarding in big sky love montana love montana in the winter time not sure how great montana is to just go train for a couple months and just get away from everybody but that's what fournette had to do and that's that's again you know that's him showing that he's trying to make a change and i get it you know people are listening right now thinking well he should have did that a long time ago i understand that but people got to get that the fact that everyone comes from different circumstances, yep. backgrounds, and upbringings. And like I said before, not everyone's going to come into the NFL with a mindset like a Tim Tebow or I don't know, name, you know, name like your fierce leader or whatever, who's just this model citizen. That's not the way it always works. You know, and especially when you come from college where, you know, the college atmosphere, at least for me, and I think it speaks for a lot of football players, be here at a certain time, be here at a certain time. But guess what? You're a football player, all right? You're you're treated a little better than everybody else. Now, yeah. at Murray State, it's the basketball team, all right? <laughs> Nobody could care less about Austin Lane at Murray State. Come maybe, on, John. Maybe Quincy Williams now. We'll see. I'm not sure. But, uh, but you know, when, when you're in, like, that, that big-time program like LSU is, um, when you have Lil Wayne rapping about you, like I shared in the article, you know, when he was just in high school, um, you know, th- those add things to, to the whole pot where – of course, you, you may you know be different than just like this perfect leader all the time. And yeah. I, I think the fact that and he goes in this article a little bit that Tyler Dunn wrote, where he had to cut out some of his friends that he he knew for the past twenty years. And and I I think it's a classic example of the crab pot mentality. Do you know what a crab pot mentality is? Uh, oh yeah. Very okay. Familiar. So uh, I'm not gonna show it right now because it'd be super aggressive. But I just got a, a tattoo a couple months ago and. It's got a crab on it, and there's a crab coming out of a crab pot. And basically what the crab pot mentality means is that if you throw a bunch of crabs in a crab pot, all they have to do is one by one climb out of the pot, and you're good to go. But the crabs don't do that. The crabs will take the, the guy that's at the top that's trying to get out, and those crabs will actually pull him back down. Therefore, nobody gets out of the pot. Therefore, no, everybody gets eaten, basically. All yeah, right. Yep, yep. And I think that you know, reading this story here, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. You know, and and I think that sometimes it can be hard for people to understand that. You know, I mean, I was I was in a situation. I mean, I, thankfully, I came from a pretty good upbringing. I have friends from high school to this day that I still talk to every single day and I have to cut anybody really loose but when you get to the league you know everyone's trying to get a handout everyone's trying to take something from you right you know whether you come from a great upbringing or not uh, that's just the way it is you know people people want to buy a ticket to the ride you know and they want to hitch their wagon to you so that's also a lot of pressure and you know I think with Fournette now like I talked about going to Wyoming kind of resetting his mind a little bit going to train in Dallas a little bit you know kind of saying goodbye to some of those friends it's probably the hardest thing that he's had to do in his life is say goodbye to some of your friends that you've known for the past 20 something years I can't imagine man yeah that and and that is honestly by far we talked to him for about 20 minutes that is the number one uh statement that he made Mm. that kind of got me thinking, okay, maybe he's finally starting to get it. Because for NFL players, and you just mentioned it, the hardest thing uh, for an NFL player is not necessarily knowing how to manage your money, but for all the guys that you grew up with, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of realize that, hey, you know, we can still be friends. I can still love you and everything, but 
I got I'm I'm in a little different situation, so I can't move like I used to move. Because a lot of these guys they they struggle with that. They say, you know, hey, you know, I got you know, I've always been part of the boys, me and my boys. I got to still be with my boys, type of thing. And I know even less than a year ago, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette went through this kind of thing where he deleted all the pictures on his Instagram, mm-hmm. um, which was a good thing because he had you know pictures of him and his boys on private jets yeah. with stacks of money and well, cars. Well, and, and, and I remember people thought it was because he's getting traded or something right, like right, that, right, right? right? People were so taken back by that, right? Yeah. And, and but I, I think for him that was kind of okay. Now he's starting to get it. Once you figure out how to think and and how you can you can still be the same. Guy, and he said that. He sure, said, I can still be the same guy. I can still love you, yeah. but you know, I I can't be around you. I got yeah. I guess I got things going on over here, and and being a father obviously changes that. Of course, being a father changes everything. I mean, look at Josh Allen right now. I think mm-hmm. one of the most mature guys on that team as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think he's shown instincts and maturity beyond his years right now. And yeah. listen, every guy is different. Right. You know, like for me personally, it took me three or four years by the time I was on the way out to mm-hmm. kind of have that maturity of how to act as a professional. I mean, on the field I did, but, you know, I'm still going to the beach bars and everything, living it up, and looking back on it now, maybe, I probably shouldn't have done that that much. Maybe get an extra yoga session like Aaron Campman <laughs> did, you know? But it's just, it's funny how it takes guys time sometimes to, to, to you know, to learn how to be professional. I mean, everyone's different, but yep. Yep. Um, we'll, so we'll talk a little more about Fournette. Uh, we get that back after the break. Also, we got Ballin' and Fallin' coming up here on ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Marcel has just left the building. We will be joined by Brent momentarily here in a second, but let me just go ahead and finish up my fallen from the bone and fallen segment. And since, you know, since the boss is out of the office, I figured we'd talk a little NBA, but unfortunately it's kind of under rough circumstances right now for, for fallen. But uh, fallen, a couple stories here. Wilson Chandler of the New Jersey Nets suspended 25 games uh, for violating the NBA's PED policy, which I guess was a result of him coming off a of surgery and getting prescribed some kind of anti-inflammation uh, pill or something like that, as he's claiming, where he didn't know it was uh, it wasn't proper to to be in the NBA. So Wilson Chandler's fallen, also Demarcus Cousins. Um, there is a warrant out for his arrest right now. Demarcus Cousins, of course, with the LA Lakers, who uh, is out for the season now with the torn ACL, which he acquired um, kind of during just a seemed like a, just a pickup game at the YMCA. Um, the, there's a phone conversation where he's threatening uh, his baby mama. Not a good conversation. And now there's a warrant out for his arrest because of that phone call got leaked. So not a good day for the NBA. Um, I was surprised with the, the 25 games for PDs because like PDs and NBA coups, something you never really hear about a lot about. Players are pretty good at least, you know, abiding by those rules. Well, and it's it's funny, you know, like, are they good at abiding by the rules, or is it something where you don't really know the rules of the NBA? I, I'm going to be honest. You know, like, too, yeah. I have no idea what the PED policy of the NBA is. I assume it's close to the NFL, but I have no idea what the street drug, um, you know, uh, policy is of the NBA, because, uh, you know, one would assume at least someone um, in the NBA is smoking weed, you know, so the fact that you never hear these stories of guys, you know, testing positive for, for weed or, or street drugs, um, it, it kind of begs the question, what is their policy? Maybe that's more homework for me to do tonight and have an answer for tomorrow. But uh, speaking of homework and speaking of maybe writing speeches, we are joined now by Mr. Brent Martin. Oh, Brent, how you doing, man? 
Hey, what kind of notes do you want me to take tonight? I mean, Steph's going to lead the way on this Hall of Fame stuff, but you're next. You're you're in the hopper now. You got you got a couple months, so I'll let you know how it goes. What you got to deliver, the talking points, the things that make people cry, pick up some tissues, <laughs> things that make people laugh. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'm taking notes for you, my friend. I appreciate that. So be honest. I mean, do you have any part of the speech tonight? Like, is are are your hands on the speech, or did Steph take it upon herself to write it herself here? No, zero. I have zero to do with the speech. Uh, she actually said they flew up uh, uh, earlier in the day yesterday, and I flew up last night, and she had delivered the speech to her parents just to kind of go over it. And I said, I don't want to hear it. I'll hear it for the first time tonight. So, um <laughs> I have no idea. It's supposed to be three to seven minutes long is what they tell you. Mm -hmm. Some people go, obviously, a lot longer than that. But uh, I think she'll be probably more than three to seven minutes. She's a math math major, man. I think she'll get the numbers right and probably leave the words to a minimum. (laughs) And you have to be honest here. What what are the Vegas odds for the over and under of the number of times that she says my adoring or my loving husband, Brent? (laughs) I'm just hoping I get mentioned once. <laughs> it can make for an awkward uh, flight home if you don't. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, like my boyfriend. Wow, well, this this guy in high school, he was great. It's- Hey, yo, over here. Yeah, Go yeah. Show me a little love. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you've been uh, listening to the show today at all. Uh, we are trying our best here. ESPN 690 is trying to make it work is the slogan. But we had a great conversation, Marcel and I, about Leonard Fournette, you know. And uh, there's an article that came out today by Tyler Dunn, uh, you know, in the Bleach Report, basically kind of going into the, the whole fact that Leonard Fournette took it upon himself, uh, you know, I guess kind of take a deep look at himself, Um kind of ditched some of the friends that he had growing up, uh, he, you know, obviously training in, in Wyoming, um, just kind of doing basically like a hard reset, you know, and, and we kind of teased it a little bit here, Brent, but you sat down with Leonard Fournette yourself, and that will be playing next week sometime. I mean, what, what, what do you make of the article and just uh, having talked to him a little bit, can you give us a little teaser of what to expect when that video drops next week of you talking to Leonard Fournette one-on-one? Well, first of all, I thought it was a fantastic article. I thought he really did a nice job. And I love when the athlete opens up a little bit, right? Yeah. Don't you get the idea that Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette are well-guarded guys? Like, they almost don't want to take everybody inside. Mm-hmm. And then I, I thought this article, for however uh, Tyler Dunn was able to get the access to it, I thought was really good. And and I like it, man. It humanizes these guys. These guys that are have been stars for a long time, they're really good athletes. And I think fans, and I know the media, I mean, I do at least, I'm a sucker for it. I like the human element of this. How can we relate? And the big thing is you can't relate. You know, you can't relate to an athlete. And 99% of us cannot relate to what Leonard Fournette went through in his background and his life. I mean, if you read that article, I made my kids read this uh, today. Nice. And just to show, a, you know, because... The thing is, like, especially like Ty, right? He's a sports fan now, and, and Kaylee loves going to the games. And, and, you know, if a guy fumbles a football or uh, a guy has 60 yards instead of 120 yards and, and the disappointment of last year, you know, I, I think it, they should know where the guy comes from. You know, our, our kids don't have to go through that stuff, uh, and we're fortunate not to have to do that. But there should be some perspective, and the fan line of that is sometimes skewed on perspective. And, and I get it, and that's just the way it is, and I think they get it too. But every time a guy is able to kind of unveil the curtain, peel back the curtain a little bit into his life, I think it, it, it's pretty telling. And, uh, you know, I got a little more respect reading that article from uh, Leonard Fournette than I probably had before. 
uh, I did sit down with him uh, last week. And just to tell you, the premise of my story with Leonard Fournette is basically I feel like he's misunderstood at times. You've got this perception of a guy who's been so disappointing. He he came across the field and punched a guy. He uh, sat on the sidelines with T.J. Yeldon at the end of last year, and he got his guaranteed money taken away. He's He's been disappointing. I've also always been a guy that, that – stood up for his rookie season. I don't think people give him enough credit for his rookie season. He changed the dynamic of the Jags. They went to the AFC Championship game, not all because of him, but I think a big part because of him. So when I sat down with him, I, I wanted to capture this guy that I feel is sometimes maligned, yet at the same time, we have all these videos and all these pictures and all these tweets and moments of what he does for fans, like how he gives them the cleats and how he signs and always takes a picture. And, you know, the recent one where the Philadelphia fan took the jersey and ended up selling it. But mm-hmm. I, I think, it's, to me, there's this great dynamic of, okay, which guy is he? And that's why I wanted to sit down with Leonard Fournette. So that's kind of the premise of my story. But we actually got into a little bit of this stuff that was mentioned in Tyler Dunn's article. Not all of it. Tyler okay. Dunn's article is way more in-depth. Sure. But we got into a little bit of this stuff about loyalty. Like, how do you break those ties? With, with guys that you grew up with, because there's a loyalty to that, you know? Absolutely. That's where you were from. And um, I just thought, I thought the article was great. I think his, per, uh, what he told us a little bit is, is fascinating, uh, how he always tries to put people first. And so that's coming up next Wednesday night. We're doing a one-hour special. Wednesday. And I was kind of hoping to, I was, I was kind of hoping to keep everything until next week, but with this <laughs> article coming out, at least we'll, we'll, we'll turn toward that. Yeah. Uh, next Wednesday night at nine o'clock on CBS forty-seven, and then we'll share it on the radio side too. Yeah. But you'll see. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's it's kind of uh, my story is a little bit more, man. The, the the softer side, the lighter side. I don't want to say soft on a football player, but the, the lighter <laughs> side of of Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Uh, that people really don't see and don't know, and I just love the fact that Leonard is comfortable in his own skin. He's fine enough to admit that last year wasn't good, and this is a guy who's always had the spotlight on him. I don't know what it means, man. I don't know if he's going to have an unbelievable year. Mm-hmm. I do think the fact that he's in a good place, he's lost weight, he's paid more attention to becoming a, a good pro, a good player, that I think that can only help him. But this is a violent game. You never know if you stay healthy for the entire thing. And people are still going to plan to stop Leonard Fournette. So uh, I think he's in a great spot to have a great year. I don't know if it's a guarantee he'll have a great year. But it obviously is pretty important to the Jags. Brent, I want to keep this conversation going, especially with the whole, you know, Leonard Fournette maybe being misunderstood a little bit, especially with an incident that I want to get into, and I want to get your your thoughts about it. Um, when you know, when, when he was in uh, playing for the Jaguars and literally punched somebody on the field in Buffalo, I want to talk about that. But uh, speaking of misunderstood, being a Wisconsin guy, Brent here in Florida, one thing I don't really understand is the the hurricane parties. I'm starting to slowly slowly work my way to them now i guess people love to party during the hurricanes and what a better way to celebrate maybe a a, a hurricane party with dorian coming in than with a little vita de louis Smiling, and so oh, I think I'm 
drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Oh, I can jump in here, too. By the way, uh, Vita Dulouis recently got a 94 rating. A locally owned tequila in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Dulouis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDulouis.com. Drink responsibly. And another note on Vita Dulouis, we are going to make them part of our prize pack at our Action Sports Chat Stream 18. They're going to be out there, but the winners of our golf tournament are going to get a bottle of Vita Dulouis. So that's pretty nice. cool. Thanks to us. Uh, Vita Delouis for supporting our action sports shacks, Dream 18 uh, as well. Hey, you mentioned Wisconsin. Yeah. The weather here, man. Woo, the Midwest weather. Oh, I mean, don't it's even August, tell me. But it feels like, it feels like October. It is yeah. unbelievable. Crisp, sunny, and at night a little cool. Gotta love it. Yeah, um, I think I sweated through my shirt being outside for about 10 minutes today, Brent, so I'm glad to hear that the Midwest is treating you well. Uh, it's, you know, it's business as usual here in Jacksonville, just sweating a lot and uh, just prepping for this hurricane to come through. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, that's kind of the news of the day, the Florida State, Boise State game getting, you know, moved to Tallahassee now. But you mentioned Leonard Fournette a little bit here, Brent, and I wanted to get your take on this, your opinion, and I'm kind of surprised I haven't asked about this before, but when Leonard Fournette through that punch on that sideline we you know i mean we heard the outcry from the fans you know i mean there was a lot of you know people called him a punk and there was i think people called him a thug it wasn't a good look for the jacksonville jaguars i understand that but brent my question to you and you know better than anybody was what was the reaction inside that locker room because as a former player and i I watched that game live in buffalo and I watched that game, and I saw a guy who had his teammates back. Now, yeah, I'm not making up excuses for punching a player on the sidelines. You never want to do that because you get thrown out, and you're, you're no good to your team if you get thrown out of the game. But at the same time, if I'm a player, if that, that's my teammate, the fact that he went out of his way you know, to try to have my back, that almost warrants, I think, a little respect being a teammate. What was your vibe from the team after that, that incident happened? That's a great call right there, man, and I think you're right. I think inside the building, inside the locker room, not the building, the building uh, wasn't so well received because there's such this fine line between being a pro, doing the right things, and having your teams back. There's a right way to do it and a wrong time to do it. And so this was obviously a mistake on Leonard Fournette's part from the outside world, and I think even probably from the the Jags brass. I mean, listen, you can't do it. You just can't. There's no justification of doing that. But I do think you're right about one thing. When he took a lot of heat, and I questioned him too, and let me be—I'll be the first one to let you know—I when they, they as a captain last year, I think Leonard Fournette failed that team. Yeah, uh, I don't think he he showcased the the we're in the sea very well at times last year, and that was one of the instances. But in the in the in the walls of that locker room, in the 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 running back room, you know, in their offensive room, and you you can say this better than anybody, but you've been there. I think that is well-received. I've talked about base brawls before, how they galvanize people. Yeah. I'm not saying that moment galvanized because it was part of a, a, a messy season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I do think there was a bit of respect for Leonard Fournette. And, and he took the brunt of all that, right? I mean, he took everything. And it was a risk on his part to protect his teammates and take all the brunt of, of everything that came with it, including the suspension. So I do think there is this respect for him. And I found it interesting in that article today how, how uh, a couple of guys talked about his, his ability to lead. Uh, Calais Campbell did. Mm-hmm. And that, that there's a magnetism about him. Well, I think that speaks to it a little bit, right? I mean, 
how can a 24, 25-year-old guy uh, be a, a captain, a leader? Well, there is this magnetism to Leonard Fournette. There's a realness about him. Uh, he's a fun-loving guy, too. And I think he, he will tell us when I run this story next week how he likes to put other people first. Well, that's what leaders do. And so, there, I mean, it's a, it's a bit conflicting from the outside world to the inside of that building. Yeah. But I do think you're right. You have a point, and it probably did go a long way. I'm not saying he's going to be voted captain again this year. I don't know how that will work out. I don't even think they've made that stuff yet. But, um, but I do think there is a respect for that in, in, in sports, not just in a football locker room. But yeah. in sports, so uh, that's a complicated one, though, man, because it was just a part of everything that was so bad and oh, not no. good. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and you can't do it as a pro, right? I mean, those no. are some of the things he he said it in that article. He's like, listen, from where I come from, that's what you do. Uh, yeah, but you know, yeah. you don't. You're not supposed to do it in this stage. You know, you can't. No, you got to learn not to and, do that. And I understand that, Brent. It, it is all about being a professional. But at the same time, and, and and this is the NFL player. This is the former NFL player um, speaking of me right now. You know, this this isn't the the, the journalist. Uh, this is the, the former player. I think if I'm in that situation, and I know everything that I know about Fournette, and he's one of the captains, and I see a brawl on the sideline. Say I'm in that brawl. You know, say I'm, you know, there's pushing and shoving and, I, and I'm by the, the Bill's stands and there's probably fans saying stuff to me, too. You know, I'm kind of cornered, really. And say I see Fournette look at me and he doesn't come over and do something about it and he just stays on the sidelines or he just stays kind of back on the field. To me, that's going to draw more of a red flag than if he came over and threw a punch. Now, yeah, I'm not justifying him throwing a punch because, like we just said, I mean, you, you can't throw a punch. You got to be professional. But if you would have came over, you know, and, and maybe shoved somebody or just held somebody back, that would earn my respect a lot more than if he just stood on the sidelines and did nothing. And it's kind of like you mentioned, Brent, which I thought was very interesting that we're talking about right now. You, you kind of made it sound like he's not a rough around the edges type of guy, right? But he, he's not this guy who who, you know, and I've been comparing him all day on the show, but like, he's not like a Tim Tebow, right? Like, he's he's not a clean-cut leader. He's not, a, you know, like this classic, quote-unquote, all-American type of guy, right? He's, um, no, no. you know, he's, he, he's, he's from a rough upbringing, I think, and he's from, uh, you know, he had some friends that, uh, that were kind of holding him down and everything like that. He's from a, a, a kind of a rough-case scenario. But sometimes fifty percent of the people that he knows are in prison. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, I mean that kind of paints the picture right there a little bit for you. But I yeah. yeah, but from that perspective though, Brent, I think sometimes those are the the type of leaders that maybe you want even more than those cookie cutter, clean cut guys because number one, I think they can relate to a lot more people, right? If it, it if you come from a bad upbringing, I mean, then then you you know the value of hard work, tenacity. You know, I mean, trying to see everything through. And I think you can relate to a lot more players than the guy who you know maybe had everything handed to him and just kind of been this you know quote unquote like I said again all American type of dude. So I understand where you know Fournette may kind of have these appearance of sometimes he's rough around the edges. Maybe he's not the most personable guy unless you really know him. But at the same time, I think to those guys in that locker room, and like this is all due respect to Nick Foles too, because I think Nick Foles is a, a fantastic leader, and it takes all types. But I think there's a type in the NFL too for for Fournette to be a leader as well. Yeah, I think it's well said, man. I, I think there are different types. You know, I mean, there is the all-American kid, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not by at the way. all. Not I think at all. everybody, every parent, every whatever wants your kid to to be that. Of course. Uh, but then there's real life. You know, there's real life. And, and again, I, I fully, listen, I, I, didn't, I can't relate to that life. I really can't. I've been 
down to the 7th Ward in New Orleans. I've seen it, uh, but I can't relate to that. I've been to uh, uh, back to Inglewood, California with Marquise Lee where he grew up in a gang. I mean, yeah. I can't, I cannot relate to it, man. I just can't. But, sure. but I, I respect where they come from. I just really think it's hard to get the masses to understand that when we're talking about touchdowns, rushing yards, and and fantasy football points. And uh, I think that's the disconnect sometime between our world now in sports and, and, and fandom or sports and even media is that we want a cookie-cutter uh, player, mm-hmm. and you just don't get it. And I, I do. I do. There's something that, that's kind of lovable about Leonard Fournette in that way um, and the fact that he owns it all, you know, yeah. and, and – I mean, what a great story for so many kids that, that grow up in that setting. I think Leonard Fournette is, regardless of what happened last year, regardless of what happened down the road. I mean, the, the way he's handled some of uh, the pressures of, of what he's had to come through is, uh, I think, pretty admirable in a way. So uh, it, it's, it's cool. It's a really good story. I, I yeah. think there's a lot to Leonard Fournette. I think it's a, it's a deep dive, man. There's nothing simple. And at the same time, there probably is a simplicity to it. It's just a fun-loving guy. Mm-hmm. Who likes to uh, be around people and take care of people and and play the game of football, but uh, it usually seems more complicated than that. Friend, during your one-on-one interview, did you do any shadow boxing with him? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't this time. Though. I probably should have. I, I just didn't have enough time to practice. I didn't want to look so That's bad. what I'm saying, man. Watching him play, it, it's like, yeah, I think he's on a different level. So yeah, you might want to practice a little bit with me or Coos first, <laughs> and then we'll. Work our way up to the big dogs. Uh, but Leonard Fournette, obviously not going to be playing uh, tonight against the Falcons here in Jacksonville. Um, a lot of the starters will not be playing. Uh, not sure if you'll be watching the game. Probably not, Brent, if you're at the Hall of Fame ceremony. But what are some things quick to take away from this game tonight? Um, the one thing I was talking about a little bit was Gardner Minshew. Obviously, he slated himself as the backup quarterback right now. In your opinion, Brent, I mean, assuming he comes out and has a, a decent night, I mean, are, are the Jaguars set right now at backup quarterback? Or do they kind of look at that waiver wire a little bit when teams start making their cuts and maybe pick up somebody? I think they're set right now because I think there'll be enough options out there in an emergency situation if you don't like your spot in, in your backup quarterback and you need it. Look what the Cleveland Browns are doing right now. Uh, it's Cleveland Browns? I think, uh, is it Cleveland who's bringing Osweiler and everybody in? Who's uh, bringing the... Probably Indianapolis, right? I think. Indiana, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, was like, I, was like, I was like just blanked on uh, Chris. But it is Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis, yeah. I was like, why the heck are the uh, Cleveland Browns? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Baker. But, yeah. yeah, the Colts because of the whole luck stuff. But sure. So they're bringing in everybody. Well, there's enough people to go through, but they don't like any of those options either. That's why they're bringing in everybody. You know, that's yeah. what you got. So I don't mind the idea that they – they're fine. They're fine. And, and like we've all said, you've got to keep your fingers crossed. Uh, now, if Nick Foles goes down in week two or week three or whatever, and then we have this discussion – I will tell you right now I won't have a confidence level that they can go two and two over a four-week stretch with, with Minshew. I won't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think they should maybe make a move then. I just don't see any need to make a move, put on more money on your cap and for a, for a backup QB at this stage. I, I think you can, you can make a move eventually if you need to and you get desperate down the road. Well, and I think coaches kind of also have an ego, right? Like you, you drafted this guy late in – Gardner Minshew, you drafted him late. You're trying to kind of bring him along a little bit and groom him to what you want. Um, you know, I think coaches have an ego where th- they want to see it through. You know, I think the last well, not only they- them, but yeah, the, 
the personnel people do. Yeah, well, yeah the scouts, of course. The, the yeah, GM, everybody. Yeah, the, I think the last thing you want to do is you know bring in another guy to that to that room and see what happens. But I'm going to be also watching, hopefully, and I'm praying, Brent. I hope Alex Magoo gets in tonight as well because I'm dying to He'll see. Play. I'm dying to see if if he stirs the pot a little bit. I'm dying to see if he's going to get some money because I'm going to be honest. I thought about going to the game and signing my Alex Magoo swaggy t-shirts. Unfortunately, the shipment <laughs> didn't come in in time, so to be determined when those go on sale. But uh, I'm curious to see if he actually gets some playing time tonight as well. Yeah, I do too. I'll be interested to see who shines in this game and how much of a mind, their mind is made up on so many different, on different positions. I shouldn't say so many different positions. Yeah. There's some value in this game. Don't lose sight of that. I know it's not a, a fan favorite game. I get it. But there's some value in this game for the quarterbacks you just mentioned, but also for some uh, for some other guys at the back end of the roster. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how guys do. And if there's a guy we're talking about tomorrow coming out of that football game, uh, I'll be pretty interested. All right, man, I've kept you probably long enough. You guys got to go to a break sometime, yeah, don't you? Yeah, we have to go to a break actually right now, man. Good timing, man. He's always a professional and never stops. So we're going to head to break. Great chat with you. Uh, give Steph our best tonight and everything. Hopefully the over-under of you getting mentioned in the speech is at least four or five. I'll take the overall day, Brent. And uh, I think we'll talk to you tomorrow then. All right, good work, guys. And the shameless plug, uh, 630, an hour from now on Fox 30. We'll have countdown to kickoff and then, of course, the game, the final preseason game tonight on uh, Fox 30. Have a good one, fellas. Thank you, man. That's Brent Martin. Like I always like to say, the hardest working man in sports media. When we get back, we're going to do a little Florida Gator chat. My thoughts on Felipe Franks. Also going to have a little stay in your lane for you. That and a whole lot more in ESPN 690. A whole bunch of mistakes by both teams. Felipe has had a lot of fun talking to the cameras, his fans, opposing fans. Ah, Felipe Franks, little Florida Gators talk right now. Um, Big win for the Florida Gators this past Saturday as they beat the Hurricanes. Um, Props to them for doing that. But what I have an issue with, and this isn't really part of Pump Your Bricks or anything, it's just an observation, and I may offend some Florida Gator fans or some Florida Gator fans may agree with me. But I was not a big fan of how Felipe Franks, you know, came across uh, during that Miami game in Orlando. And listen, I'm the guy who's always saying players should celebrate. Um, I've went on numerous rants about baseball teams, how they should let the players just be themselves. And I celebrate Baker Mayfield and all his craziness sometimes. I was a big fan of Johnny Manziel when he did his stuff. So you might be thinking, like, well, Austin, you're kind of uh, contradicting yourself by saying, Felipe Franks, what are you doing? And maybe I am, but my problem with Felipe Franks is, is that you're doing this stuff when you didn't have the numbers to really back it up. All right? You went 17 for 27, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And if you watch that game... Um, I think, you know, it, it, it wasn't that great of an effort. So I understand you want to be hyped up and everything. You want to make a point and you want to kind of showcase yourself on the, on the big stage. I'm all for that, man. But the difference between Felipe Franks, um, then Baker Mayfield in college or Johnny Menzel in college or, I mean, I guess, you know, just pick your flashy quarterback is the fact that they backed it up. You know, when, when Johnny Menzel was, was doing all his crazy stuff, all his antics, you know, doing the money sign, he was a Heisman candidate. He won the Heisman Trophy. Baker Mayfield, the same thing. And I think with Felipe Franks right now, you know, he's not in the Heisman talks. 
I don't think he had a Heisman-worthy performance against Miami. And if you like it or not, there is a double standard, I think, sometimes with quarterbacks. And I'm sticking my guns on this one where, yes, there is a double standard in how you come across, especially to your teammates. Now, I'm not sure what his teammates thought of the antics. I can tell you where if my quarterback back in college was doing all that stuff and he went 17 for 27 with two interceptions, I probably would have been like, hey, man. Well, how about we relax a little bit and focus on the game because Miami's getting ready to upset us. Well, I think, so let's keep let's keep it. Uh, what's up, man? No, well, I'm trying to remember when this happened because I remember seeing it like during the game. I remember seeing him kind of talking to the crowd and bouncing around. I think it was right, like I think it was literally right before he threw the second interception. If I'm not mistaken, no, it, I think it was right it, before yeah, that. It was right before that because he, he did have a nice long field pass and they set up a touchdown off that. I get that, but. You still had that one Aaron throw before that. You know, so what I'm saying is like, listen, I understand you think the world's against you and all the cameras are on you, man, but you you almost lost to Miami. And it was it was a sloppy, sloppy performance, not just from Felipe Franks. It was a sloppy performance all around. Now, yeah, Florida, the Florida Gators won. And when it's all said and done, we look back at the history books, we're not going to go, oh, you remember that game where there's an asterisk next to it? Florida won, but it wasn't a good game. Who cares? Florida's 1-0 right now. Miami's 0-1. Enough said. You know, and Florida's got a pretty easy schedule now. They play UT Martin, who's in the OVC with the Murray State Racers. And then they're going to be at Kentucky, where I think Kentucky might be a little down this year. It's at Kentucky. It's going to be a 7 o'clock game on ESPN September 14th. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, but they also they have a bye week. Uh, this Saturday, so they have a little break as well. So I understand all that. You know, uh, they have the momentum now and everything, but I'm just from from a casual fan who doesn't have a stake in Florida or Miami or Florida State. I was just, it was almost cringeworthy when I was watching Felipe Franks last night, uh, you know, last Saturday. And I don't necessarily know, I guess, why. I guess it's just the fact that maybe. I feel like you should conduct yourself in a more professional manner, which is funny me saying that of all people. But there's a time to celebrate. There's a time, um, you know, to kind of stick it to the crowd a little bit, stick it to the cameras. But that time's got to come when you're the man. And I didn't see the man last Saturday. Not to say Felipe Franks can't be the man. Who knows? Maybe he comes out uh, against UT Martin, balls out, and rolls that into Kentucky, and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's the future of the Florida Gators. You know, he's he's the next great quarterback. But just from what I've seen against Miami, uh, I'm not ready to call him the man just yet. If I'm not ready to call you the man, then I wouldn't celebrate like one either. And I remember last year, Franks, you know, he kind of got a lot of scrutiny. You know, this is a guy who's who's heard it from, you know, the Gators fans a lot here. And I remember watching a game where he had a pretty good, I think they were underdogs. He comes back, they win the game, and he kind of goes up to the crowd and just, you know, goes, shh. And this is at the Swamp. This is in front of his own home fans. He's telling them to be quiet a little bit. See, from that perspective, a little aggressive. Uh, telling your own fans to, to be quiet is a little aggressive. I see where he's coming from, but once again, you know, like those fans have every right to, to boo you. Uh, those fans have every right to be critical of the way you're playing. They're paying the ticket. They're taking the ride, and if they don't like what they see, they're going to let you know about it. And I guess Felipe Franks has every right to react to them and tell them to be quiet, so be it. I'm just saying once once you start noticing the cameras are on you all the time and you're doing these sh- things and, and and you're doing these, you know, the, you kind of 
showboating to the crowd when the cameras are on you like we saw last Saturday. I feel like you take the distractions from that, and that hurts you on the field. Now, I may be wrong. Never played the quarterback position. Um, I could be talking on my butt right now, but I think there's something to be said for that because if you saw what happened when he was talking on the sidelines, what happened the next series? Interception. Now all of a sudden Miami's, uh, you know, looking to drive and win the game. So it's just, uh, you know, this is kind of like my come to Jesus moment. I feel like here, Kuz, where I'm the old man sitting on the porch <laughs> right now, and, and I'm telling a, you know, I'm telling kind of a kid that plays quarterback at the University of Florida, he should probably take it down a little bit. Well, I was going to ask you, have you ever been a part of a team? where somebody was doing something like this and maybe the coaches made a point to say, hey, stop? Yeah. Or have you seen a player doing it where a coach had asked like them to stop doing it? Or sure. do the coaches usually stay away from that? So it's uh, a great question. We actually we, we have Dan Mullen's response to, to Felipe Frank, so we'll play in just a second. Um, you know, a, a, every coach is different. Uh, <laughs> and listen, if I was to show you my Murray State highlight film – I, I, I made Felipe Franks look like a choir boy. I'm saying every tackle for a loss, I was like t- snapping pictures and flexing. I was doing these crazy dances. Man, you thought I played for the University of Miami back in the 90s. Like, it was that aggressive, and our coaches loved it because, number one, we were having fun. Number two, we were winning ball games, And number three, you know, my play dictated that, right? Like, my, my senior year, and I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn or whatever, but like my senior year, I set the school record for sacks, okay? Well, every sack that I had, I was letting loose, dude. I was doing my crazy celebrations because I felt like that play warranted that. And I'm not saying Flute Franks can't celebrate, but I'm just saying you have to be the man or you have to have the stats to back it up, and that's how you're going to have your followers. That's how you're going to be a leader for the team because it looks a little foolish if you're not performing well and you're trying to get all the attention on you. Here's what co- head coach Dan Mullen had to say about Felipe Franks. I mean, you're going to play quarterback at Florida. That's part of the deal. You know, I get a lot of criticism. I'm sure I get a lot of criticism. I look after the game. I, I always think this, right? If you if if you're favored to win the game and you win, but not by as much as you're favored by, you get a little more criticism. That really attack you on social media, I guess. No, but the uh, I think for him when you're 21, you know, not just the the criticism because you know you're affected. I mean, everything is that way, right? I mean, these guys still wondering. Uh, make it sound terrible. I mean, these are like, boy, am I? Am I going to have a date on Saturday night this week? You know, or, you know, what, what girls might talk to me when I go out? Or, what, you know, what, what, do my, what do my friends think about what I'm wearing or how I'm acting? You know, I mean, my wife loved me. You know, no matter what I do, she's going to love me no matter what. So I'm good to go. My kids, they, they, they love me. So I, don't, I, don't, I probably don't get caught up in as much as a 20-year-old does anymore uh, or 21-year-old. Is that what 20-year-olds are thinking now? Like, what am I wearing in front of my friends and who am I going to go out with? They're probably more in tune. I think what he's saying no, is... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're probably more in tune. Like, you know, if I'm having a walkout, you know, are my friends going to be roasting me in the group chat? You know no. what I mean? If I get caught by media wearing something funny and the friends are are roasting me, they're yeah. more in tune with social media. No, and, and listen, and, and I understand that. And I understand the landscape has changed even when I played. You know, when I played in college, we didn't really have Twitter. 
we had Facebook, but it wasn't really used as, as a tool to build your brand and promote yourself. And that's why I am a fan of of the players that celebrate. I am a fan of of the players like Johnny Manziel, who had the money thing, or, or like Baker Mayfield. Even when Baker Mayfield was grabbing his crotch on the sidelines, I thought that was great. Like, I, 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 I was good. You know, that, that's moxie, that's attitude, and I think the Oklahoma Sooners responded to that. Now, yeah, he got in trouble a little bit. I guess, like I said, there is a double standard at, at the quarterback position, and you kind of have to watch how you present yourself. I thought it was harmless. They but... sorely did it, too, with the with the home run hit every oh, time exactly. they scored. Yeah, yep. they sorely did that as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for quarterbacks doing that and players doing that because it builds their brand. It, it, gets, it gets the eyes on them, and that's what you want. I'm just saying from Felipe Franks' standpoint, though, is, dude, I'm all for you getting the eyes on you. You just should, man. You're, you're, you're the starting quarterback of the Florida Gators. Think of some of the guys that have come before you. You know, think of the Leaks. Think of the Tebows. Uh, you know, th- think of anybody you want to think about. That's great, and you should be proud of that. But at the same time, you got to remember, man, when you bring those eyes on you, though, as the quarterback of the Florida Gators, make sure that those eyes are coming on you for all the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. And I think right now with Felipe Franks, and if you went on Twitter after the game, you saw it first and foremost that people were talking about his ability to celebrate when, number one, the game was not won and he wasn't playing to the best of his abilities. I really need to find that highlight tape of me doing all my crazy celebrations, man. That would be that'd probably make me some YouTube money right now. Yeah, yeah. See, we can share it. Oh, absolutely, man. I'll, I'll, I'll have to hit up uh, one of my coaches or something like that, see if I can get that. Uh, because it's like I said, Goose, I'm not exaggerating here. How I wasn't suspended by the NCAA. <laughs> like, I understand, like, on the list of priorities, Murray State football at the very bottom. But some of my celebrations and some of my antics, and a lot of our antics on the defensive line, uh, yeah, we probably should have got suspended a little bit. But needless to say, I didn't, and it all worked out in the end, unfortunately. Didn't have the social media platforms to promote that brand. When we get back, going to be in the last segment of the show today. Going to do a little... Uh, Stay in your lane. Going to give a little nod, a little homage to some people back in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and what they will go through to get Green Bay Packers season tickets. I'll explain when we come back on ESPN 690. Welcome back to the final segment of ESPN 690 Radio for the day. I'm Austin Lane, joined by my dude in the studio, Justin Coos, or the the coups, as we call them. Uh, a little bit of recap on the show today. Big Jaguar. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't call it a big Jaguars game. We'll just call it a yeah Jaguars game tonight. I thought you were going for it. I know. I was going for it, but then I'm like, can I keep that up for like the whole break here and try to sell it to people to watch? Listen, people know what's going on. Either you're going to watch preseason game four or not going to watch preseason in game four. But I think some of the things that if you are going to watch to keep an eye on is number one, Taven Bryan. Um, and something I haven't mentioned yet either. All accounts are saying that he's going to play tonight. That's what Doug Marone told us a week ago. And I full-heartedly believe that. But at the same time, I'm curious to see if he actually does play tonight. Because if he doesn't play tonight, I would beg the question, is Marcel Darius more hurt than the team is letting on? Because that would be the only explanation why Tatum wouldn't play tonight. Because uh, he's going to be starting against Kansas City. Now, is this conspiracy theory? Is it Tim Foyle kind of 
talk, tinfoil hat kind of talk, possibly, but just keep an eye on it. If Taven Bryant doesn't see a lot of reps tonight, it kind of makes you wonder what's going on with Marcel Darius, but I expect to see a full Taven Bryant workload tonight. Um, and listen, he, he, he has to build on last week. Last week, I thought I saw some, some great things. He made some plays in the backfield. He got some push in the backfield, but everyone's talking about those two penalties. And even though they're aggressive penalties, which I can live with more than I can live with, like the, mental lapse penalties of being offside and things like that, you still have to clean them up. And I think Taven Bryant will be the first person to tell you that. So I am watching Taven Bryant tonight. Um, can he get, you know, can he get a sack? Can he make a name for himself a little bit? And just try to build that confidence going into week one uh, against Kansas City because he will be on the team, make no mistake about it. And also I'm going to watch Gardner Minshew. You know, I think Gardner Minshew is a guy who's kind of been building and building and building week by week here. Um, and granted, he's been doing that without the starting ones. He's been doing that with a bunch of twos and threes, a backup offensive line, backup wide receivers. So I'm going to watch Gardner Minshew tonight to see if he's gained even more confidence uh, going into the regular season. Obviously, if you don't say his name at all, when Kansas City comes to town throughout week you know, 16, that's going to be a good thing, but it's always good to have the backup. Uh, it's always good to have the A machine on the table, but with the B machine in the drawer, just in case you need him. So I'm going to watch Gardner Minshew as well uh, to see how he does tonight. And Terrell Pryor is another guy we talked about a little bit today. Terrell Pryor intriguing from the size standpoint. You know, I mean, if you're to put all the wide receiving group in a, in a lineup, in a police lineup, Terrell Pryor is the guy that's going to be sticking out. Terrell Pryor is the guy that's going to be the intriguing one. And uh, due to injuries and circumstances, I think beyond his control, he hasn't played a lot in this preseason. And I don't think he's a lock to make the team. Um, I think he has a lot of things working against him, whether it's not being a special teams well, guy, whether it's costing him. Oh, oh. Sorry, not to cut you there off. You uh, Tad just tweeted out the uh, Jags that are not oh, expected to play. perfect. Thank you very yeah. much, man. My dude, what, what do we got tonight? Pryor's on that list. Pryor's not playing tonight. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I think his back's kind of good. Can you quick uh, name off the list? Uh, sure. Foles, Pryor, Lee, Westbrook, Chark, Connolly, Ramsey, Boye, Davis, Blue, uh, Hayden, Wilson, Fournette, Harrison, Herndon, Allen, Jack, Ryan, uh, McRae, Williams, Toll, Can, Linder, Norwell, uh, Shatley, Robinson, Taylor, Richardson, Jr., O'Shaughnessy, Cole, Swaim, Oliver, Ngakwe, Campbell, Smoot, Jones, and Darius. Leon Jacobs on that list. No, I didn't hear Leon Jacobs. I don't uh, think he's on that list. Let me make sure, but I don't see him on here. If you people wanted any more, um, <laughs> listen, Josh, <laughs> You're about to go off. Oh, I'm about to go off so hard here. Uh, okay, got to lock it back in. Josh yes. Allen gets drafted. First round. The next day, I sit on that football field and I say, what, Goose? I said 3-4 defense. If you people, and I'm saying you people, need any more initiative, any more, you know, look over here, look over there, that they're not going to play a 3-4 this year, listen, Leon Jacobs, who is supposed to be the starting strong side linebacker, is now playing in this preseason game. 
he's now going to get reps in the fourth preseason game? Your quote-unquote starting strong linebacker? I think not. I think there's going to be a lot more 3-4 defenses than people are letting on. And I'm tired of trying to make my point, Kuz, and I'm tired of always trying to be right. But that's just I know, what I'm, I'm like, saying. I'm like triple-checking just to make oh, sure. Oh, just he's... trying to prove me wrong. Like, actually, <laughs> no, Leon Jacobs isn't playing Oh, yeah, tonight. sorry. He's actually, no, but yeah. he, I, don't, I don't see him on All right, yeah, one. so keep an eye on Leon Jacobs tonight, too, a guy who was a rookie last year, got a lot of playing time for the Jacks. Jacksonville Jaguars at that strong side spot. Um, I think if he does play tonight, maybe if it's not a misprint or whatever, but if he does play tonight, that kind of goes to show you where the Jaguars are with their mindset and their defense, where you better believe Josh Allen will be getting some reps at that, you know, you can call it a strong side linebacking spot. I'm just going to call it an outside linebacker in a 3-4. Let's get into our stay in your lane real quick. Cool, let's some music. Love it. Okay. Cruise control. Uh, this is actually more of a serious one, but uh, I think this got props. So NFL free agent Ryan Russell wrote a first-person essay detailing that he's a bisexual. Um, and this is a guy who's a free agent right now in the NFL, and he's trying to get a job. So props to this dude for having the courage to, number one, be comfortable with yourself enough to announce, you know, this, this breaking news, especially in a, you know, it, it, it's definitely a toxic masculine driven league. But number two, and it kind of share a quote here that uh, from the essay that Russell said, and I quote, this is the last time I will ever interview for a job, anything other than my full self out of love, admiration and respect. I want the next team to sign me to value me and for what I do, knowing who I truly am. So Ryan Russell, man, um, props to you for coming out, uh, you know, kind of the closet being bisexual, man. Um, that, that's, you know, th- that's awesome. And I think, um, you know, it's going to be the trend for maybe more players to come out if they're feeling that way about themselves. Um, I think no NFL player should ever have to, you know, kind of hide who he is basically in honor of trying to get a job. So shout out to him. Real quick then, uh, pump your brakes. Green Bay Packers are having uh, the, their tickets, season tickets are incredibly hard to get. So hard that the waiting list right now is at over 130,000 people. It's insane. 35-year-old Matthew McLaughlin of McFarland, Wisconsin, went on Craigslist, if I have this story right, and uh, basically posted this to try to get season tickets. One, I'll pay someone $10,000 to take their spot if they're under 1000 on the wait list. To pull that off, he'll have to legitimately change his name to theirs so the Packers won't know if it's a different person buying the tickets. Can't really do that. Number two, he'll pay an older person with season tickets this is not a misprint. $109,000. Is this right? Yeah. $109,000 to leave him the tickets in their will. But the Packers know they have strict rules about this, and he'll have to cover But he says that he's going to cover the fees to have them adopt him if need be. $109,000 along with the fees to adopt him for Packer season tickets. And number three, if a single woman or man has season tickets, he'll pay $10,000 to marry them. He'll pay them $10,000 to marry them. Then get divorced and transfer him the tickets during the settlement. Quote, we can time it correctly so we can maximize our joint tax refund too, killing two birds with one stone apparently. My God, man, I understand <laughs> Packers season tickets are hard to get, but my word, Kuz, your thoughts? 
I'm so, I, I mean, you got to, that's a hardcore fan. Like, have you been a fan of a sports team enough to be willing to, like, sacrifice like that? Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to offer to marry somebody and get a tax break out of it while we're at it. Uh, not going to have somebody adopt me or, or put, put it in their will. Just not going to do it. Also, not going to spend over $10,000 on season tickets. It's impressive. Well, on top of that, you have to start to pay for the tickets as well. I wonder so if, if he could, in a way, sell the ones that he doesn't go to and make his money back. Um, you would hope so, right? Like, at least kind of comp some of that money back. You hope. <laughs> well, I don't think we have to hope because it's probably not right. going to happen. This was taken off. This was taken down from Craigslist. So Matthew McLaughlin, may I suggest that you come down to Jacksonville and become a yeah. Jaguars fan? Where they're a little bit cheaper. Season tickets are a little cheaper, and I'm sure they're still up for grabs right now. Uh, call your local ticket office and and check that out. Well, Coos, it was a fun day today. Uh, we did Hurricane Talk, a little Jaguars Talk, a little Quarterback Talk, a little Leonard Fournette Talk, and we'll do it all again tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow we have a special guest, Cecil Shorts, slated to be on the show talking about his Justin Blackman article. I want to definitely get into that. But for tonight, everybody have a great night. I'm Austin Lane, Justin Coos on behalf of Stuart Weber, Marcel Robinson. Have a great night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.